0: Second Bananas is recorded on unceded Indigenous land belonging to the Musqueam, Squamish, and tsleil Nations. Unceded means that this land was never surrendered, relinquished, or handed over in any way. We support the various strategies that Indigenous peoples use to protect their land and their communities, and we commit to working in solidarity with them. We acknowledge that as people living and working on these lands, we are accountable to those who have cared for this land since time immemorial. It is our intention to continue learning how to honor this responsibility.
1: Adjacent to our topics right now. Yeah. I was thinking actually just before this. as I learned how to play the four chords for uh, Tracy Chapman's—I don't know if it's called "Talking About Revolution" or just "Revolution."
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But the lyrics of that song remind me of this topic right now. Because it. she says, "Don't you know, talking about a revolution sounds like a whisper," and she like actually whispers the last part, right? And the whole idea, at least that I gathered from it, obviously very much in this in the frame of mind of this episode, was that talking about revolution and revolutionary ideas sounds like a whisper because they don't get a platform. So they're always suppressed, they're always whispered as opposed to shouted or even spoken. Because people who talk about revolution are by definition not for the most part in positions of power, right 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 and they don't have access to the platforms, and that's very instructive in terms of the content of the episode that right. we're about to get into yeah um, so yeah i I had only just realized that that's but good, maybe that's not exactly what she meant, but I think it might be no,
0: exactly and it has so many interpretations, and like I see where you're getting at too. like even like that first verse where she starts with like, well, they're standing at the door of the welfare lines. Like she goes through sort of like the sort of like tropes of like the, the living in poverty. Right. And it's like, all of a sudden it's like, so then it's like wasting time in the unemployment lines. But then the next line is sitting around waiting for a promotion, which is like really a really interesting, like take on it mm-hmm. um, of like, sort of like uh, you know, like just, just like not, not just like it, yeah, it's like like you said, like I don't know, like wasting waiting, time and like, employment Like, like lines. Someone who is in kind of in the system but then can't get ahead or whatever, or then it's like or you know, I don't know. It's just it's just interesting.
1: Yeah, like like the efforts and ingenuity of however many countless people are just kind of railroaded into this desk job where you wait for a promotion and yeah. that's that's your that's your achievement that's your goal post mm-hmm. those are your targets those are your accomplishments yeah it's not really about um any sort of improvement in society or in anything else um but you're just chasing a promotion yeah
2: right put your head down and stay in the rat race and don't concern exactly. yourself yeah. with yeah and like uh, and the and all of, even if
0: you if you're it's like almost like you yeah. have to develop that preoccupation if you want to get to the platform too is the other thing so anyway maybe right. i'm thinking too exactly. much maybe maybe i'm high and i'm thinking about it too much
1: <laughs> jealous uh. I think I'm thinking about it just enough yeah. um so this is second Bananas. welcome a podcast about the people behind the people and the things behind the things the clout behind the clout, you may not know about or in this case you definitely do know about but we're going to talk about it anyways
0: or maybe you you think you know about it but you don't oh talk about about
1: a revolution i think we're all in a position to be able to learn i think we should keep our brains open
0: i agree i've got i've got a a pick and a hammer here and i'm gonna do it (laughs)
1: Uh, open uh, up my brain I, to
0: all those ideas all those high level ideas
1: i don't want to veer off right, immediately right, okay. before we've even introduced ourselves or anything like that right. but I, oh, yeah. I have an aside oh <laughs> okay um, wait because you
0: who has an aside
1: i do craig, craig does <laughs>
2: hey, right. craig. So me... i'm joe hey i'm wes what is this they already
0: said second bananas yeah I'm that's
2: trying right
0: trying to get the intro I'm trying to get trying to get those names the the voices marked so people yeah know. we're
2: gonna get we'll get this intro down one
0: of these times <laughs> <it>. anyway
2: sorry.
1: <laughs> nope refuse
2: <laughs> <laughs> <We> refuse <laughs> to get I it don't. down cut
0: all that out cut like all boots. that out from my club. Oh. <laughs> cut out whatever you <laughs> <Either> think mining,
1: <laughs> the mining <laughs> reference uh your pickaxe and your uh, lantern helmet right is right, that what you
0: said joe yeah, i did
1: <laughs> so i read something yesterday um and it was actually a book review, but in the book, apparently an analogy that the author makes is that cityscapes are inverted mines. And the basis for that is pretty obvious, but it's not initially hmm. the most obvious. But the mine shaft and the elevator shaft, the lighting and, um, and the ventilation in tall buildings and in, in high rises are identical or based on the same right. lighting and ventilation right. that were used for deep mine shafts, and all of the minerals and everything that come from the mines go into actually building the buildings, and then all the devices and everything that we use in our buildings and our high rises—I mean, those of us who live in high rises—are yeah. all rare minerals that are through to, uh, that are gained through mineral extraction. So it's just really weird. A different way of looking at it but that completely made sense to me and i was like whoa how have i never thought of that that way um it was really cool though really interesting and nice. yeah and also it, crazy yeah was it saying in a sense like we the people dwelling within
2: the <clears throat> within the buildings are or like the construction workers building the building
0: well it's that they take everything out of the earth and like stack it up the opposite way right Right. Capital inverted. Yeah, and it's like this inverted. Well, it's interesting too, like to push that analogy further, like who's at the top levels of of the like in in terms of like Wes is saying like what about the people inside of it? It's like, well, it is kind of an inversion because it's usually the highest people on the and like in a lot of cases the people that have to go into the mine the deepest are the the lowest
1: oh yeah though
0: sure. in the labor chain
1: the owners probably haven't even been in the mine.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then so yeah. they invert it so they're at the top, right? And it's it's kind of literal in the case of like a mining company's headquarters. So
1: Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Except I've like been it.
0: in those offices and they're filthier than a coal mine. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, the filthy a, secrets a, of
0: CEOs
1: <laughs> in a shiny uh, modern decor kind of way. Yeah. But man, those windows and those views. Oh, if
0: I could say one more thing to push this metaphor too far into pretentiosity, it's like, see, the laborer has the moral high ground and the CEO has the moral low ground.
2: Right.
1: <laughs> so it's an I inversion. It. Yeah, in that sense as well. Really cool. Copyright so, jokes in well
0: 2020. No. Totally. Uh,
1: <laughs> So today's episode is um, not about a person in terms of a second banana. Um, Tired of talking about people. Go on. Dabbling in a little bit of conceptual bananas.
0: Conceptual bananas.
1: (laughs) We've done that right there. Yeah. So looking at two facets of media that i think are really important and significant but have i guess unequal um representation in society uh, unequal value or um general i guess presence in our society and i think it's an imbalance and i think it's actually a toxic imbalance um, which i can get into a little bit later but without further ado, talking about public relations and the second banana to public relations, which is journalism. Mm. Good lord, you mean it's not the
0: other way around? PR <laughs> well, yeah. a second banana to journalism?
1: It really should be. <laughs> um, all against all evidence and you know rational conclusion is definitely not the case.
0: But Craig. That's not what Rachel Maddow says.
1: <laughs> oh, no, isn't it?
0: That's not what Charlie Rose says.
2: That's not what OAN says. Yeah.
0: Exactly. <laughs> and they're the luminaries of upright journalism.
2: Right, of <laughs> I mean, course. I didn't even know I got that publication right. Wait. That's not what Yeah, you
0: I was going to say Walter, but that's like the fictional Buzzfeed or whatever in Succession. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you'd think that journalism is taking a backseat to PR when you look at the way it's portrayed in the media or some media these days, I guess. But
0: But no, it's the other way. Or how much of
2: journalism do we know is actually journalism and isn't just PR masquerading as journalism? I
0: have a feeling Craig is about to tell
1: us. (laughs) These are interesting questions, interesting points. So it is increasingly obvious I think to most of us, or many people, that our world is largely defined uh, by each of us subjectively according to the information we have access to. And of that information, the specific ideas, facts, and perspectives of others, which we choose to consume and internalize into our own synthesized worldview, we basically are defining our own realities <laughs> in a sense mm-hmm. and where where does the information come from that we're defining these realities on the basis of well um, it comes evident- from
0: facts obviously
1: obviously but once we've found the one true reality yeah once we found the set of um you know the the corollary the the set of information um that we want to base our worldview on, then from that point, we tend to proceed and silo ourselves to varying degrees in specific environments that allow us to find community and common cause with others who share that worldview. Um, They serve to confirm and um, help us refine that that worldview. And uh, we participate within that community in the spread and execution of calls to action. And... I think the objective that a lot of people are looking to fulfill in that is to inject meaning into their lives where it had otherwise been absent. Um, but again, where is the information that we're going through this whole process uh, with? Where Where is it coming from?
0: Well, Rachel Maddow oh, just said that. Yeah, Craig.
1: <laughs> the tastemakers. The tastemakers. The, the, taste the, the, the anointed few. The New York Times. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) They are public intellectuals. They have earned their position through meritocracy.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, any information that we're consuming obviously comes to us through the media. And it informs our perspective on whether something is important or not in the world. And if it is important, then what's true and not true about it, along with uh, what needs to be discovered or is yet to be known, or what even might be unknowable or unprovable. Um, you know, news reporting, journalism, art, entertainment, cultural content, public relations, releases, advertising, all of these things comprise the body of information, ideas, norms, the quote-unquote zeitgeist that are fed to us that we refer to as media, and which our mind, use to literally shape our world. Um, and so it comes to mind to me when describing that, um, the, the way that the eye works, the human eye, and as far as we know, a lot of other eyes in the animal kingdom, mm-hmm. um, but your mind can't actually deal with all of the information that your eye gathers. So your eye feeds as much information as it can to your mind. And your mind from one second to the next or one millisecond to the next just kind of takes the highlights and then fills in the gaps, mm-hmm. right? And so the media is kind of like, it kind of works that way. We're, we're using the media to gather the highlights of information um, and, and to fill in the gaps between that information. Um, the quality of that information is obviously pretty important in that, uh, in that example. And also the the tricks that our minds use to maybe fill in the gaps is also very important.
0: But that's the well. only problem, right? Is the tricks of our minds? Like nobody's nobody in journalism is intentionally misleading us, or like <laughs> they don't they don't have that problem because J school sure. trains them to be better. That's
1: right. And not have
0: that problem anymore.
1: Trains right. it out of them. Absolutely, absolutely. Your, your journalistic integrity is all that matters well imagine and i'm going to take it a bit further so imagine you're walking around in a pitch black cave okay and your only the, the only real way that you can orient yourself um is is kind of well not the only way but the main way your vision is is taken away from you
2: mm-hmm. that's so my
1: my primary sense it is i mean in that's in that case you'd probably try to feel your way around the cave a little bit or whatever but yeah, I definitely what if you realize something. after reaching out a few feet to try and reach for a, a clammy wall or something to figure out where the heck you were
2: god damn it that
1: there were sheer drops on either side of you and you're walking down a narrow path in the middle of this pitch black cave
0: then you realize yeah. that you shit yourself <laughs>
1: exactly i would be doing the shuffle feet, but yeah. it's probably not going to help well exactly but how far park. do you shuffle and and in what direction yeah and all of a sudden the information that you're receiving from the outside world becomes completely vital it becomes a life or death mm-hmm. situation yeah mm-hmm. um and i don't know if we want to go there but I, I it, does do. it does it feel like society might be wandering around in a dark cave <laughs>
0: I mean, the, some yeah. society, but not my society.
1: Yeah, with, I mean, with I like definitely. a climate crisis and the, the it's almost decapitated it's, corpse of democracy lurking around Western civilization, quote yeah. unquote. Uh, it kind of feels like there's a bit of cave wandering in the darkness
0: society is definitely a cave i agree
1: yeah but we're not even
2: like (laughs) we're not even throwing out our feelers or using our extra senses to be extra careful we're just like running around full speed in the dark like not not seeing what i've been
0: saying is rachel maddow (laughs) is using all of her senses
1: she, rachel has a torch yeah. rachel has a torch and she wants not you to join all her.
0: you need all right. you just need the torch and then you're fine and you shouldn't ask for more you shouldn't expect more because that's too much nice. that's not all she know. can give it doesn't matter if she's got a floodlight in her truck and she's been outside the cave mm-hmm. rachel has this torch and that's what you get and you should be happy for it craig
1: Yo, Rachel, pull that Tacoma up to the mouth of the cave and turn on the brights. Blast the brights. (laughs) Blast the brights.
0: Flip the generator switch.
1: (laughs) So, well, thank you for bearing with me through that agonizing analogy. Yo,
0: Craig, thank mm -hmm. you
1: for bearing with me. I I love it. Trying
0: trying to make stupid jokes out of your your beautiful analogy.
1: <laughs> I am obviously abstracting slightly on the second banana concept that we've worked with to date. Um,
0: I think our listeners the- are smart yeah. enough people to know Plato's the cave, Craig. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but I will, um, in, in this episode, I'm attempting to explore the relationship between two powerful and yet dangerously out of balance facets of modern media journalism and its rich and charismatic daddy pr and advertising and further advertising. these media's relationship with our society and our reality but i want to keep it high level to start with and get some background on these two fascinating disciplines
0: very fascinating. Yeah. the most fascinating of all time
1: so get me with it. to start with uh, public relations and advertising a little bit of background um in the late 1800s, early 1900s, due to civil rights movements, um, the suffragette movement, I think, enfranchisement amongst people who didn't own property but were male and white. Right. Um, they began to. Potential future property owners. <laughs> right, right, exactly. The aspirational class.
0: Of... Mean he has money and he's not a landlord.
1: What? <laughs> um, so this around this time, there was a bit of uh, um, a punching up of, of democracy or democratic enfranch- enfranchisement, at least, in Britain and the U.S. in particular, uh, where the, uh, the electorate expanded from 10 to 15 percent of the population to 40 to 50% of the population. And
2: when you say the electorate, does that,
1: what is that just like the like people who are eligible to or? vote? Okay. Yeah. People, people who can legally by. vote. So pe- people who have the right to vote. I honestly, uh, because.
0: Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, initially it was just white property owning
0: men. Yeah. yeah. And I, what's interesting is I did not the, expect the uptick to be that big actually yeah well, was, it was dramatic uh, yeah that is quite like, a, that is that's like that's the thing is like i know it's like we sort of like oh whatever that was like bourgeois liberal democracy overthrowing feudalism blah 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 but it's like it was a huge sea change
2: and sorry do we know what what uh, kind of like spurred that big was it just like people knew more about their situations and they wanted to do more about them or well,
1: it's it's literally like um, it's literally about people being um, being included in yeah. the electoral process. So, so women women protested and right. did direct say, actions yeah. Yeah. for decades upon decades yes. to get the right to vote. Um, so this is a result black black of people protested and participated yeah. in in direct action to. Right. I mean, obviously, to fight for their rights in other areas, but amongst those rights was certainly their democratic enfranchisement as well, their ability to vote in the country that they live and work
2: in. Okay. So that 40 Um, to 50 jump is the result of like those voices finally like being heard.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And, and I would argue, you know, hard fought in many cases, hard fought concessions from the, from the power, from the elite, from the ruling class. Like this was post,
0: post sort of like French revolution and everything, right? Like this was post, like oh big time or so years later and excellent observation yeah Yeah. like this so sorry go
1: ahead this is a defensive mechanism a preemptive like soothing measure for the population at large from the ruling class because
0: they were like they had they were people who had a lot of them had either been their childhood was during that period or like even or they only knew of it from their parents and their parents told horror stories right like in the, among the ruling class or whatever it was like a real fear in this period that the terror was go- the terror too was basically going to hit theaters the <laughs> and, and like heads would roll basically
1: right exactly yeah the statue of liberty was just a trojan horse like, after this all this
0: is like in a way like the the equivalent in our lifetimes and not really but kind of but not really is like 911 like the way people react especially like people in western countries in our it's sort of like a reverse where it's like like think about all the shit that was perfectly acceptable after 9-11 in like the media as we're talking about and like to say on tv and to do like literally like like there were country music stars writing songs about killing arabs in the middle east and stuff like that not even like not even like slyly saying it like they were outright just saying it and it was like fine because it was like in favor of the war in favor of like defending making sure another 9-11 never happened
2: right so exactly that's
1: a little
0: in, little in, off topic
1: i'll never forget freedom Fries. oh man <laughs> right well in the fever dream like initially following the attacks and then the like ramp up to war that's what i certainly said there was a lot of people who were doing a lot of f- fucking weird ass shit. And,
0: uh, and what I'm <laughs> saying is freedom fries is the modern Day. If you get that reference, I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so, so yeah, this uptick from 10 to 15% of the population um, to 40 to 50% of the population being eligible to vote um, was uh, like earth shattering. And mm-hmm intellectuals and academics and the intellectual class in general and the elites um, were hotly debating what the result of that was going to be. Um, and the, the opinions were everything from, oh, no, it'll be great. It'll be a renaissance to, no, this is basically going to be the French revolution redux because these these soiled masses are going to vote us out um, or they're going to they're going to screw up our our system of hierarchy that puts us at the top. Um, And so it it, it was observed and debated at the time that the results of this change would ultimately depend on the degree of acceptance of the electoral will uh, by moneyed interests in society related directly to the extent to which they were threatened or their interests are perceived to be challenged by this surge in democracy. So effectively the ruling elite, um would decide whether or not <laughs> the the uptick in democracy was a good or a bad thing. Right. That's uh, depending on fair. how much it it threatened their, sounds their fair. primacy, right? <laughs> totally. Um, no, nothing no red flags here.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it's these are early fine. days. I'll be fine. <laughs> these were early days for public relations. Um and certainly for modern marketing and the application of contemporary psychology via mass media, contemporary
0: psychology, when psychology was like, you want to fuck your mother. <laughs> oh, you, have, a, you <laughs> have, you have weird dreams. You definitely want to have sex with your brother. <laughs> <Tell> <laughs> me
2: every woman
0: wishes she had a penis. Those were the, like the deep. Penis,
2: penis envy. Real.
0: <laughs> <Like they> were, <laughs> people were crazy and they were like, I know what will cure him shooting yogurt up his ass that will fix everything
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's That's a that's a deep cut in the old psychology uh history uh, to look up some of those old remedies the old yogurt enema i think think
0: john kellogg was a fan of those the guy who Uh,
1: of the therapeutic yogurt yogurt enema yeah is he the cereal guy
0: yeah and he invented cornflakes as an (laughs) anti-masturbation
1: Because he worried
0: he, he worried, he believed.
1: Did he know it doesn't he work? It
0: made you hornier.
1: Right. <laughs> no. Nope. Wes is just nope. Wes is like, uh, no. Didn't work. Didn't work. Yeah. Wondering about those clinical trials. You get so, so hot
0: blooded when you have that hot spice in your veins. <laughs> That's how blood works in these days. That's what our doctors say.
2: Eat half a pint of cream of wheat, and call me in the morning. And
0: it, I mean, uh, you know, we all think that spicy food—it worked. Kellogg is part of the PR machine.
1: Oh, It'll big time! Way. Absolutely, uh, business owner—that's yeah. that's who PR is for. Yep. Um, so the the concept of applying psychology or basically hacking the human mind <laughs> um, to to mass media and to the population at large, that concept would come to shape many core relationships in our society from this point onward. Um, The relationship between consumers and products, whereby previously things were advertised based on what they did and what they were made of, um, as opposed to why you need it and how much of a better person you'll be when you get it.
0: But he's about um, the same thing. I don't I don't recognize the difference.
1: The relationship between citizens and corporations, the relationship between the state and its citizens, um, which is referring to propaganda, obviously, as well as citizens' relationship to one another. And that I think is visceral uh, viscerally present in online interactions <laughs> over the last decade
0: i don't know what two. you're talking about you fucking cuck <laughs> yeah.
1: so in order to outline some of the highlights or kind of key figures in the early days of public relations i'm going to go into the obligatory dead white guy section oh it's like we need the we need episode
0: have like a we should mm-hmm. have like a thing here like the obligatory dead white guy section. <laughs> i don't know we'll do a song we'll do a song <laughs> <laughs> the obligatory um, dead white guy section, you know, something like that. We'll cook it up.
1: The <laughs> ambassador of, uh, of psychology in North America was Sigmund Freud's nephew. Yeah. Are you saying Edward, the guy
0: I just joked a bunch about?
1: The fruit dude. Exactly. Fruit. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Edward Bernays, um, who most people who've looked into PR would be familiar with. But yeah, uh, he basically took his uncle's work um in in Austria, I believe, um and applied it to the work he was doing in advertising, uh pre-war in advertising. Uh, which was uh, like post- psycho psychoanalyzing kind of psych- well, just basically using psychology. And so the idea is that
0: if you... Ah, oh, yes, uncle. You're very if you can, good, yeah. But <laughs> what if we uh, monetized it?
1: <laughs> well, it's interesting, too, because he had a really interesting relationship with Sigmund Freud, whereby he ended up, later on in his career, after he was already an established PR dude, magnate, he popularized... Sigmund Freud within the psychology community in America and then um, and then like published brought brought over all of his books right. and like promoted him <laughs> and then kind of like benefited from his uncle's fame that he had developed from basically nothing The like, hand the right.
0: dog that feeds it The, the hand
1: the dog that wags its tail yes. yeah. <laughs> Totally There's this weird... <laughs> fucking sleight of hand thing that he does so well apparently um but he took the idea that you can if you if you include messaging that taps into basic human emotions like fear uh like love like insecurity anger um that type of thing but like at at a very basic level if you can tap into one of those or a combination of those emotions in your messaging then you will resonate with the audience much better than if you didn't. And that has applications in terms of how to sell things to people. It has applications in terms of how to communicate to people from, uh, from a large institution or a corporation. And it has um, like mass media or um, mass publicity uh, potential in terms of how states communicate with. The, the population at large in their country. Um, and so he used those ideas, which were not in favor in modern psychology at the time or in contemporary psychology, uh, to, to provide services to his clients who were uh, companies that were selling products. Perfect. And he established, before the First and Second World War, he had established the, uh, I guess not not really the beginning but what would be the groundwork for advertising as it would be after that?
0: that's like a big part of the pilot of Mad Men. Uh, I th- oh, I think is people it? Have seen me. Yeah. It's like the, the ad guys hate the like woman, psycho- psychologist who's there to like, tell them how people think. And they're all like, I don't, wow. get, I don't need a report to tell me. And the whole thing is like the main character st- has a report and it's, it's in like on paper in a nice leather folder. And uh, the the sneaky guy steals it and tries to like pitch it and it goes rogue in the meeting and pisses everyone off. And then he says to him like, oh, I don't, I don't know how you got the, you got that report. Greta only gave me one and I don't think there's a magic machine that makes copies. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Which is, of course,
2: P.R.
1: Foreshadowing.
2: See,
0: see how I brought it back there?
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Describe the plot of Mad Men. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, it makes sense. It makes sense that they would reference that. Yeah, it it it, it, it is a pretty cool the genesis. It. Yeah, the genesis of the of the entire industry. Yeah. In fact, uh, so Edward Bernays uh, famously said that the public's mind must be regimented, like training and conditioning soldiers. So the best yeah, like way. Like Rachel of, Maddow, I love. Right, it. Right, the best way yeah. of getting a message through and and conditioning people to it. Is to repeat it over and over again through as many outlets as possible, and then include a component that taps into that human emotion, the way people think, and what resonates with them, and what provokes those emotions. And that—that's how you—that's how you manipulate people. That's how you advertise. That's how you publicly relate. Um, and so he—he he was one of the early. Uh, fathers of public relations. Um, another. Okay, let me ask. This. is he a Nazi? Yeah.
0: Because I no, like, he, I feel like so as... many of these guys are Nazis. Like I don't even mean that in a like fuck him for being a Nazi. No, no, no not know. at was all. He, uh, not was all. he like a guy that worked for the Nazis
1: first? He was like a Manhattan liberal. Oh, okay. eventually. Okay. Like he did work later on in his life. He did work for the NAACP, for example. He was a capitalist. Yeah, he was, sure. he was totally. He was totally a liberal, just a big old. Just a liberal.
0: big old lib.
1: Because okay.
0: um, it's just like I just find so many like so many scientists from this period. It's like, oh yeah, they worked for the Nazis for a while. Because like if they were like European and like they they probably had to work for the Nazis, or maybe they were Nazis. I don't know. Anyway,
1: sorry. Yeah, I mean the lines are pretty blurry. In retrospect, yeah. it's hard right, to say. Right. It is pretty easy to say. That the next person I'm going to talk about, oh my Ivy god, Lee, Ivy Ledbetter Lee, what? Um, wh- who would have been a good second banana to Bernays, frankly. We can do um, it and totally got involved in some Nazi shit. Oh, wait, um, but not to, oh, not to uh, apologize for man. Bernays because I think he was kind of shitty, too.
0: Sure, he was a liberal. Um, no,
1: <laughs>
0: exactly. I I'm worse. being mean. Uh, oh, so <laughs> Ivy! I thought that was I thought Ivy Le, Le was a woman, but he was a man.
1: Nope. Yeah, it's a man. That's it was that's a what man. What
0: I get? I should have guessed.
1: That so makes more started, sense. though Anyway, he starts a PR firm uh, early in the 1900s as well. Uh, similar timing, and by the mid-teens is doing PR cleanup for the Rockefeller family. After the Ludlow Massacre in Colorado, right?
0: This is Uh, all before Nazi stuff. I keep thinking it's like post-Nazi stuff, but it's not
1: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. okay Um, Remind me of the Ludlow Massacre. The Ludlow Massacre was when the miners at Ludlow Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um, revolted basically they were on strike because Mm -hmm. their conditions were shitty and everything was Mm -hmm. just shitty and So they went on strike, and the Rockefellers got or whoever whoever like the
0: full, Henry Clay Frick was. This that guy, or was it another guy?
1: Um, I'm not sure, but this would have involved um, like the private police.
0: Yeah, the force. Pinkertons are like
1: like they exactly have totally totally had the Pinkertons all over it, right? And then. Um, the national guard which i think was like funded by the rockefellers came in and we're like we're gonna fucking bust all your asses i love it the, the national guard the national was guard privately exactly funded like, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah a, like, exactly that's
0: such a like thing that they here let, let me just call my army <laughs> to come like, like what kill like, these miners the <laughs> army the the like literal guard that's like a public thing designed to like "Quote unquote protect people and that like gets totally. called into somehow always gets called into murder college students. Yeah, it's like why the army this like <laughs> directly obviously protecting capital <laughs> and then yeah, which is people, totally people, the case. Here. And then you're like, oh
2: okay,
1: <laughs> yeah, certainly, it was a mess. It was uh, terrible. It was a mess. Yeah."
2: I mean, yeah, um, massacre.
1: That's that was a giveaway, I think. <laughs> yeah. So they needed to. Yeah. There's literally a that the picture
2: first <laughs> with
0: a caption of underground shelter in which women and children died. Like that's wow. kind of it, uh, it. wasn't like like there's like massacres where it's like oh like the Decembrists or whatever where it was like a, a a soldier fucked up and like a bunch of people got shot, but it wasn't like this is literally like they were just like blowing people up in underground shelters and shit like that.
1: Yeah.
2: And just because they were on strike or striking. Right. Because they Prying were on strike.
1: Yeah, they were they were revolting. They were uh, resisting the the terrible conditions that they were Shit. forced to work in. And as part of the response to their direct action, um a bunch of people got killed. A bunch of people who weren't even workers, but a bunch of workers as well. But their their wives and families were all killed as well. Yeah. And so it's fucked up. And, it was a big
2: deal it was it was
1: national news yeah man
2: you got to get someone to get someone on the horn and to then, do control, damage control and
0: then you read their demands and it's like we demand enforcement of the 8 hour workday law it's like shit like that it's like or like
2: yeah like, exactly
0: like mines we want you to we want you to make sure the mines are actually safe instead of just rubber stamping a piece of paper like like that or like payment for dead work which is essentially like like laying track and like timbering like doing stuff that wasn't considered like the main job that was just expected that people do like handling chemicals and shit like that
1: crazy yeah so obviously that's what got those Uh,
0: like capitalists to be like
1: uh,
2: shoot them all kill them them."
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah demands are unreasonable so that that event uh precipitated the first ever PR um i guess it would be like VP of communications role at um at a company and that was that position was filled by Ivy Lee who worked for the Rockefellers in that role. Oh,
0: what a guy. Um
1: started working there to handle the the PR uh crisis that the Ludlow massacre caused for obvious reasons. And generally that template of you know, rich um industrialist oversteps boundaries on some humanitarian thing or some outrageous um you know antitrust or or whatever something that damages their reputation which rich people were doing all the time with no PR cover at all.
0: What are you days. talking about? Rich people are per- <laughs> <laughs>
1: um but that yeah. same template of yeah coming in as a PR firm or as a, as a PR professional and helping them to communicate with the public and kind of uh, help out their reputation after the fact was a template that was applied from then on, basically. If you were a wealthy industrialist with, you know, concerns from coastline to coastline, then it was very de rigueur to have yourself a PR agent somebody to handle your communications with the public. So you didn't look like as much of a ghoul right. as your actions.
0: Would Wait, obviously you already make you at up. this point, or this, I, was the beginning yeah. of this is what you're saying.
1: I'm saying Ivy Lee's template of, of, of providing this service to,
2: right, um, right, okay.
1: to an right. industrialist like this became a very common, be, became wish... the, the way that the PR industry actually works.
0: Okay.
2: I wish I knew, or I wish there was, like, there was, like, text or something. Maybe there is of, like, this whatever spin or smoke and mirror show he gave the public. Yeah. To, like, sugarcoat that massacre. Oh, yeah. If if it became the template after that, it's like, everybody's got to have this guy. He's a miracle worker. It
0: is, like, it's pretty telling that, like, the most, the first public relations thing was literally killing women and children. And that's, like it's 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 yes. kind of
2: it's the ultimate
0: the ultimate it's, indictment of the industry yeah. that it had it it's, it's like in like covering up murder
2: <laughs> yeah right man. it started like, it's like that's like getting thrown as your first game into the super and bowl yeah, and something. i don't want to
0: <laughs> say like like you know like like somehow telling us that cornflakes will make you masturbate less is is the equivalent of of saying well those that women and children right. deserved it but it's like yeah, like this was the first time this was why this was formed. Like everything else was just sort of like lucky happenstance, really. It was just like, hey, how else can we do this other than like literal internal (laughs) warfare?
2: It's like, this looks too bad. We need,
1: we got to have meetings and discussions to make this look better. (laughs) Well, it was very much the case that, um, you know, there were a lot of, not a lot. That was the problem. There were very few, but a lot of wealth concentrated in these very few individuals who owned a lot of different monopolies around America in particular. And so, you know, businesses, institutions, um, and individuals would come to use public relations pretty extensively.
0: Yeah, well, and this was the age Um, of the robber barons, right?
1: Right. And so this was exactly, this was when it became... You know these individuals, these robber barons, um, became aware of the fact that their activities elsewhere um, were being communicated to the public, and their reputation was suffering as a result. So, in the circles that somebody like whatever, whichever Rockefeller it was, <laughs> um, in in New York, would have people uh, protesting and picketing outside of um, of his building. And calling him out for shit that went down during the Ludlow Massacre in Colorado. So, you know, half a continent away. And these people know what's going on. It was, and and it was, uh, he's trying to have business meetings. He's trying to entertain clients. He's trying to, mm. you know, uh, forge partnerships with other industrialists. And they've got to get through all this riffraff on the way into the building. All these people who are telling him that rockefeller uses bibles in new york and bullets in colorado or whatever and it's just you know you, you can't have it you just can't have it.
0: yeah and this was like the the printing press was, was not new by this point but it was accessible to workers
1: well exactly they were part of the reason The
0: part of the yeah. reason they started this was because there were like actual it was sort of like what the internet is kind of in a way of like the workers suddenly had these printing presses where they could print pamphlets and circulate information much easier than just like talking to each other or like people could go and hand out pamphlets in like make a, you know, you get a, you, you somehow sneak into the lab and make a mimeograph of like your pamphlet and suddenly you've got a hundred copies to hand to your fellow workers and all the, they don't even need to hear you speak. They just read the pamphlet or someone reads it to them. Right. And it's like, all of a sudden you need to somehow counter that.
1: Absolutely. Very keen observation and completely related to the dynamic That's that I'm
0: trying to too. I mean, I got, Nazis. I got the Nazi shit <laughs> I got the, the printing press. So we'll see what else I can do.
1: Um, so, uh, so Ivy Lee, um, although he started his work in the early 1900s, um, for the First World War, served on the Council of Foreign Relations for the US. And that was a part of the effort to, I think, in the First World War, which America wasn't going to get involved with, um, until they did. um, Mm -hmm. the, the, The purpose of that council was to convince the American public that despite electing, I think, Eisenhower, um, on the on a platform of no, not going to war, America was now going to go to war <laughs> in <laughs> Europe. And so how do you convince everyone that that's a good idea? Well, through propaganda. Sweet and So The guy who he,
0: PR'd the Ludlow Massacre. Uh,
1: <laughs> exactly. G- helped America ease their way into the First World War. And then the, um, the pivot is during World War II, Ivy Lee works for IG Farben, which was a massive industrial concern You're that like was I partnered. With, <laughs> that was partnered with the yeah. uh, with the Nazi government. Oh, and so he doesn't really care who he works for, is what I take from that. Not that he is necessarily a Nazi, but right, yeah, he's I I I don't know.
0: He's not like I mean, the Coke guy. The, the, coke, the, the <laughs> right. coke family, who actually hired like a Nazi nanny and shit like that,
1: right? Wow, Wow. Yeah, we should we should do, we should do an episode
0: on in. the Coke. Uh, a couple of the other, co- anyway. Cut that out.
1: <laughs> so Ivy Lee okay. frames his services as uh, as a a two way philosophy, both listening to the public and communicating with slash to them. But in reality um, the main focus often ended up being one one way communication to the public from say, it sounds the like class.
0: some of these are maybe made up later.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, and I mean it does kind of bridge into the focus group, which is a bit of a public relations tool, but I don't think Ivy Lee was necessarily involved with well, I, that. I think that's more of a of an Edward Bernays thing.
0: Right, but I have also um, heard that uh, focus groups started as like, like a um, a socialist thing, or like sort of like a a, a like an Eastern Bloc thing that was, or something like that. Yeah, uh, that
1: could be completely the case. And I don't know, uh, I, but be-
0: I don't have sources. Sorry, guys, I don't have citations, but
1: that's okay. Which like well, the-
0: Bernays, I think it was like a social democracy thing. Um, Maybe, yeah. Like, and that's but- where Bernays got it. But I mean, it still sucks now. So.
1: That makes sense. Yeah. Well, Bernays definitely innovated or pioneered the use of, um, to a certain degree, of the focus group to sell products. Right. And to apply the messaging. Like, what sort of thing... Would you like to hear from the government? That would make you think going to war was sweet. <laughs> and then the people would be like,
2: well, <laughs> I want to,
0: to, people, to, house I, I, to want a, I want a whole house to myself. I don't want kids in it anymore. I want you to take my kids, make them soldiers. I don't care." into that totally.
2: <laughs> and we'll take care of your retirement. Just go to war. <laughs> we got you covered when you get back i thought you said you were going to take part of our
0: retirement yeah he's retired in the ground in normandy
1: retired permanently and so the third individual that i wanted to mention in this section uh is walter Littman, who is a pretty well-known american dude journalist writer media critic and public intellectual um he was focused on Mass media and engineering consent for rule by the elites, um, which he thought would unburden them from the involvement of meddlesome outsiders, and conversely would free the average person um, in the workaday world to be able to remain ignorant about the majority of public policy decisions and carry on living their lives. Uh, so he basically just thought that the proles shouldn't get involved with the it's with like, the adults.
0: Like it's funny because this is like the shit that we say now that that people are like that's crazy you're crazy for saying that it's like yeah this the the media wants to control public opinion and shape acceptable discourse and uh if you step outside that discourse you're sort of dismissed as a crank and you're cut out of the ecosystem and then like people be like you're crazy you're just not doing it right blah, blah blah and then you read like the people who founded media in in the in modern media are like yeah we wanted to make sure that uh the rabble never got a chance to really state their opinion or understand that they're better like like not listen to their betters it's literally all the words like socialists use now to describe the manufacturing consent and then yeah. people are like that's crazy, that's a conspiracy <laughs> it's like no yeah, they were totally. saying this they said this openly
1: this is how it's all designed it is yeah. was in, it was totally intentional um, so Lippmann uh, theorized that excluding the masses from policy decision and from the running of the, of the country makes democracy less risky and complex, which is a desirable thing. So if there is democracy, then the idea is that it should be amongst a select group of individuals who then vote on what direction to take the nation. select
0: group of individuals with superpowers.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Um, And so that perspective on democracy is not a new one. Um, Both Plato and U.S. founding father James Madison also shared the view that a society ruled by the people was a risky idea due to the inherent inequality of circumstance found across the citizenry. And they don't know what they want. Exactly, exactly. So because they are unequal. Or they do know what they want,
0: and it's disgusting.
1: And they in their circumstances, themselves. yeah, they can't be trusted to make a rational decision that's going to impact the country at that high of a level. Um, right. So Plato and James Madison both have the same position. Yeah, they hung out. Democracy right? being risky, totally. But they came to very distinct conclusions on how to handle it. Plato advocating for the reduction of inequality in order to address the risk involved like an idea. in democracy. Is that Madison, something that... Sorry, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Madison proposed limiting democracy. Right. And he wrote the Constitution, or he was part of writing the Constitution.
0: I think um, Madison might have just looked at Plato's democracy and been like, see, that's a democracy. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I mean, I get it, Plato, but yeah. Plato was talking yeah. about like, yeah, we should we should give that poor farmer more slaves.
1: <laughs> sure, I guess maybe I mean, that would be what it not- relates to. <laughs> but basically, like, make it so that less people are so um, are so unequal with the people who have the most in society, either by limiting how much the people who have the most have, or increasing the amount that the people who have the least have. But just generally flattening it out and then allowing democracy to go from there because then the interests wouldn't be so so disparate, is is Plato's idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Madison's idea is just to have a select few. The same this is basically the same idea as, as Littman.
0: I mean, that sounds um, like the easier thing to do, you know, right. we wouldn't have to give people my stuff. Like, they're probably going to come into my house and take my personal belongings. That's how wealth redistribution works, right?
2: Right. What <laughs> totally. if what if the select few pretended to listen to what the masses want? Amazing and then idea. Say, and then say they're going to do that thing. Huh? That sounds great. I think that sounds like a good idea. But they wouldn't that actually sounds fun. Do Can I live there? There? <laughs> no, no, they wouldn't actually do it, but
1: they'd but say be It cool
0: if they did, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So the gist of all this um, and the whole point of bringing up these three individuals in particular um, is to underline that PR, public relations as a discipline, was conceived as a way for centers of power and wealth to communicate with the public at large on what were arguably important matters of shared interest in the community, but which in practice are more likely to be in the interest of the person who's paying. There it is and uh, follow this, the money thank god we don't yeah. have that problem anymore this is the institution the modern industry that we refer to as pr uh this is where it was conceived was it called back then? uh public relations yeah okay. i think so
2: interesting
1: um similarly advertising was initially just describing what a product is for the consumer <laughs> um yeah. and it became, before there was like
2: competition or like more than one product
0: when but, they could just be like it's toasted and that would but i guess it's like yeah. millions of cigarettes
2: when you don't when you're not worried about like yeah i guess people using your product not as directed or or being better than another product it's like hey yeah take this whatever it's, it's got weed in it <laughs> or, or eat yeah. it and <laughs> <didn't> like it <laughs> if your product is actually
0: different from your competitor's product how can you make up a reason how it is <laughs>
1: Hey, mm, or mm, there's not enough money mm, to be made in just in everyone just having one of these. So uh, why don't we make it so that they break down and then we uh, bring out a new version every couple of years and we convince people that they need the newest one. This, these are and all brilliant money-making ideas. Absolutely. And then similarly to uh, innovations in advertising in the pre- to post-war period, uh, propaganda also, uh, I think, developed in a certain way, um, in a contemporary sense, in terms of the applications and some of the innovations. Um, basically, what had started before World War I and, uh, and into World War II um, was was very successfully tested in America's entry into the First World War and getting the public on side with actually going to a war that nobody was initially interested in going in um, going into and in fact elected the president on the basis of he ran on a platform of not entering the war <laughs> so seeing what america had done with that propaganda uh, effort the nazis actually took notes uh, notable nazis hitler and goebbels i'm not sure if you've heard of those guys but i think they i've were, heard of them they were watching and were impressed by the absolute conditioning of the American populace to completely about face within a matter of months about their position on entering the war. They would go on to the Nazis, obviously, would go on to make further innovations in uh, in public relations and in propaganda, as we're probably somewhat familiar with. There's a um, to terrible ends. But, you know, arguably America's and and the West have made at large have made some pretty terrible use of propaganda um, to not really apologize for them at all.
0: William Gibson has a book where the protagonist is like a cool hunter. Her whole thing is like figuring out what trends are because she's actually Uh she's allergic to like she her whole thing is she's allergic to brands. Like anytime she sees like a good branding that's good that people will be like Uh, like, sort of engaged by, she gets, she gets, like, anxiety. So that's how she, like, makes money. And it's, like, a very, like, a little bit of a contrivance, but, like, the whole thing, her whole thing is, like, that, like, she can't live, she can't Mm. live in um, the U.S. anymore. And then also, the other thing, too, is, like, she talks about how, like, she can't even look at a book on Nazis because, not because she's horrified, but because the branding of the Nazis is so strong and so powerful that it makes her sick with her allergy.
2: Right. Hmm. What book is that? I haven't read it. Uh, it's really called
0: pattern recognition by William Gibson. I think it came out just after he wrote it post nine 11. It was his response to nine 11. And it's very much about very similar things to what we're talking about.
1: Interesting. I'll yeah. check it out. Yeah. So, awesome. so obviously there's a bit of back and forth here. Um, borrowing techniques, punching them up a bit, then they bounce back over the pond, get punched up again, borrowing them again, and everything's kind of escalating in terms of the, the applications for propaganda and for public relations during this time. Um, right, right, but right. after World War II, PR is effectively an industry unto itself, um, and as well as advertising, frankly. Um, an industry which pervades virtually every single other industry on the planet eventually. Um, public relations are dominated exclusively by businesses, their owners, and in the case of state propaganda. Is this uh, by... still before, sorry, is this
2: still yeah. before the TV or is this the TV? Uh, so
1: TV was in the 50s. It's, yeah, I want to say yeah, early 50s. 50s. So it's just just before. 50s. Okay, cool. This is like 40s, 40s-ish. Cool. Yeah. And, you know, they um, had a
0: thing before TV, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm just
2: wondering if it this like mass propaganda wave happened to coincide with like television, which kind of
0: I mean more was. radio, which was like yeah, also very like true propaganda-ish, because it was combined and with sound, right? So
1: absolutely. Totally utilized so and campaigns, and I think one some of the innovations that were taking place at this time were obviously print media. Um you know, there was absolutely um, involvement of of publishers and of journalists, even uh, who would who would write articles or who would put out uh, content via print. There were leafleters and things like that. There were the four minute men or whatever for the for World War one who would go around American cities and and talk about how. Urgent it was that America go and defend democracy in Europe or whatever. Uh, the idea and then radio broadcast. I have a question. The, the idea being like a full court press, a, a a campaign, a coordinated campaign with the messaging that is evoking people's emotions and the repetition that's going to condition the audience uh, to the message.
0: I have a question. Were the guys that did this stuff were they like, uh, short? Uh, you know, maybe you used to work in a magazine. And then when, even though the the magazine was always horrible, when that magazine turned openly anti-Semitic, they sort of like took a brave bold, so a so-called brave bold stance. And now they have a radio show where they tell people, they told people facts, didn't care about their feelings. Is that, is that the sort of guy that would be like going around telling people this kind of shit?
1: (laughs) No, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm. I think maybe one of Shapiro's great uncles yeah. might have been yeah. alive at that I time. wondered if that was a Shapiro <laughs> reference.
0: <laughs> I was trying not what to be obvious about it, but like, yeah, like it's interesting now. Like,
1: what was the magazine? that He Breitbart?
0: worked on? he was an editor. Oh. Of Breitbart, and when Steve Bannon took over, he was so mad that he and, and that he basically was. That was his like. The thing that brought him mainstream attention was calling out Breitbart and being one of the first, like proto Never Trump conservatives, right? Speaking of mm-hmm. PR,
1: <laughs> interesting. Yeah. yeah, he
0: was. He was. A, he he. Basic. He was the the principal conservative who called Steve Bannon out as an anti Semite. Like, right. <laughs> the brave bold stance of being like, I think this Steve guy might be a Nazi.
1: <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. I had no idea so yeah basically the default for governments is to communicate with the population through propaganda and through public relations Uh, the default for companies is to use public relations and advertising well it seems to Um,
0: certainly be better than communicating with them through the police (laughs) in a way
2: yeah (laughs) sure well, Imagine didn't. the police just had like pr not even the
0: police, like, <laughs> the, the the Pinkertons. Like that's how the government communicated before PR.
1: <laughs> totally, eat the boot. Yeah, um, and the so this is these are the choice platforms for communication um, for these institutions uh, thank you society, me. and the footprint of these disciplines enters the lives of billions of people hundreds of times every day, and the foundation of the runaway success is basically the ability to sell um, a manipulation or a hack of human psychology to whoever can pay i mean in the case of propaganda that's not necessarily true but the same the same mechanisms are at play for public relations and advertising absolutely if you have money then you can you can hire someone to get together a press release you can do an advertising campaign you can tap into that you know the the psyche Mm. the the mind are you
0: saying rich people have more access to journalism than poor people
1: well not to journalism i'm not saying that (laughs) to pr um i will say that they probably do have more access to journalism number three number Um, three But realistically, they have access. They have better access to pretty much any type of content that you can imagine, and that yeah. and they that can get. Both brave consider.
0: and HBO Max.
1: Like, Money is the like, key to all divorce. doors. They can get right, and as we established <laughs> in the introduction, that's the information that we use to understand our world. And it's harnessed yeah. by wealth and power to serve their common interests. Well, and even you think about, which there are many,
0: like I joked about Netflix and stuff, but you think about who can afford a subscription to the wall street journal, who, who, so that creates another incentive of like, it, it's the Who is the customer base as well? Oh right yeah. Now that's more like a modern thing and it still happens at all levels, but it's like, it's also interesting seeing where it starts with like the wall street journal has like a Brett Stevens article and then a month later, you're seeing that, uh, that same thing, like, parroted or sort of, like, put through the ringer and it be, maybe becomes something slightly else. But all of a sudden you see it in, like, Reader's Digest or something like that, right? Like, yeah. Well, actual it's... disseminations from the, the high culture to the low culture or whatever.
1: Absolutely. Well, you're, you're, you're doing the transition for me, Joe. So thank you. So um, it's worth getting into... He's a liar quickly into think tanks and treetop propaganda quote-unquote treetop propaganda which is more or less what you're referring to um think tanks are basically uh organizations that are academic uh, and research that are funded typically through foundations which have money from people who own businesses other otherwise or who have wealth from some other source Mm -hmm. and their role is basically to provide content for the thought leaders, quote unquote, in a society to chew on, and then to disseminate further to the other through other um, publications, through other media. Um, and there's a really good local journalist, um, Donald Gutstein, Gutstein maybe, um, who has a great quote that I wanted to bring up about this. As sympathetic academics provide research studies compatible with the think tank's goals, corporate executives and the foundations of wealthy businessmen finance the research, and sympathetic media owners and commentators disseminate the research to target audiences. It's a package deal. So this is the whole think tank to journalism through media right. Like cycle. And it's aimed at the more well educated, more affluent, maybe more prominent members of society who then, you know, develop their own ideas based on those ideas and take them out to the out to the market. So there's some cool oh the coolest. Cool is definitely the word I want to use here. Some cool examples.
0: Cool <laughs> examples. <laughs>
1: Of this, um, <laughs> like, for example, during the Harper years, dirty oil uh, became ethical oil. As yeah, you got a lot ethical oil. Yeah, Ezra Levant's useful reframing of tar sand extraction. We don't have to murder
0: his, Iraqis to get it.
1: <laughs> in his book of the same name, became government policy within four months through the think tank to media to policy pipeline. Yeah, I got to say, Canada Ooh.
0: actually... I think, like, Canada's isn't sort of as, like, weird and wacky as the States, but it just gets the job done so fast. Oh, crazy.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What's, uh, Alberta's trying to rebrand another thing right now. What is it, like, it's not, like, fracking, but it's, like, some kind of, like, the way that they make, the way that they make hydrogen to be used in, like, hydrogen fuel cells is, like, not the totally clean process that like the true like green companies yeah, yeah. are using it. they they want to like use their existing infrastructure. And so it's like, not, it's not as clean as like the other ways that make it, but. We'll, we'll call what it calling. frugging. Yeah. It's something like that. It's, it's something like that. We'll call it like clean, clean fracking or something. I don't know, but it's not fracking. It's
0: like green anyway. nitrogen.
1: I'm just saying these, this is under, this, this is the kind of stuff that's happening right now. Yeah. Totally. Well, and not too long ago, I think it was probably uh, Jason Kenney joint, but a similar thing, uh, but different, was was happening in terms of the framing of environmental science and climate activism in Alberta, but generally in Canada, as being driven by foreign-funded radicals,
2: Ah.
1: um, which if you buy into that then it's therefore acceptable they to do. set policy which excludes those voices in public discourse mm-hmm. as a matter of national security rather than That's such a, like, as a matter of science yeah, to be it's...
0: like yeah like china and russia are are uh, are funding this so they can sell us their oil like like, right. like china and russia give a shit about alberta
1: <laughs> like yeah, you're, a, exactly. you're a
0: tiny check on the balance sheet for those guys okay
1: yeah exactly no, it's definitely little man syndrome yeah. coming through. Um, so yeah, the, and and think tanks basically serve to provide the grist, you know, the kind of raw material, the research that goes into think pieces and into editorials, or that informs editorials, but also feeds into actual news reporting, actual journalism. Oh. Gets gets colored or or filtered through or tainted by. Some of these um, these think tanks, like, and they are funded entirely in in some cases by you know a specific handful of of industries that was- to support their operations.
0: What shocked me when like when I first started actually learning about this stuff was like just how often reporters have so little time they'll just copy a press release. They'll literally just copy and oh, paste a yeah. press release and change the wording so it's not the same. Oh,
2: yeah. Not Not even that, newscast too. Yeah,
0: exactly.
2: Newscasts, you'll know, start with like the exact same like five words for their headlines a lot of the time, like across every news report.
1: It's uncanny. I mean, if you didn't – yeah. And then you – you know, yeah. You feel like, wait a second, this is weird, well, you and mention it to somebody, and then they're all like, oh, "Okay, oh yeah, sure, it, yeah. It, all right." Alex like, Jones,
0: yeah, I love Alex Jones. Uh, <laughs> he's my favorite
1: guy. He's, uh, he's, like a giant,
0: he's like a giant, hairy beat. <laughs> <laughs> he
2: does. He does. He's like, he's like a giant like, angry and rage with a face. Beatroid.
0: <laughs> like Joe Rogan, kind of looks like a thumb. But like he yeah. still looks kind of human, like like Alex Jones is just like 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 such a like grotesque. He's fine. I shouldn't. Wrong. He's fine. It's yeah. the human body comes in many shapes and sizes. Alex, Joe, Alex Jones is beautiful. I'm sure someone finds him attractive.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> God, God finds everyone attractive. That's someone, awesome. One creepy way. God's horny for everyone. Big, yeah. <laughs> God's a big old bone dog. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I mean, <laughs> uh, so in the history of PR, some of the greatest bangers that I wanted to throw down for y'all. Um, Eddie Bernays had a pretty seminal moment the in, great. in well, advertising sure. and marketing with, with his Torches of Freedom, which is pretty well-known. I think it's been in a few oh, documentaries.
2: Freedom. Oh, I was that the one with... Oh, wait, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah basically, um, so females smoking in public was taboo um, at the time. This is, like, early 1900s. It's just unladylike. He was approached by a tobacco manufacturer with this problem of how do I get... How do I open up this market? Um, how do I get women smoking? Yeah. Uh, so I can sell more cigarettes. It's a, problem. it's a big problem. He came up with the Torches of Freedom idea. And he's like, well, all basically, psychologically speaking, all these women need is their own penises, <laughs> their, yeah. own, their own small, <laughs> smokable penises. Oh, it's nasty, like... <laughs> and, he, and he advertised <laughs> accordingly to them, um, which was very successful. But one of the main <laughs> jumping off points for the campaign was uh during a large parade uh he basically hired a group of models gave them all cigarettes gave and them then all staged <laughs> exactly and then yeah. staged a photo op which he was which he was an innovator in uh, wow. creating, creating a photo op as well but staged a photo op with these with these models who were you know very properly dressed out in this public event at this they, parade The games uh, they were out and they all, at the same time, on yeah, his cue, is... whipped out their, whipped <laughs> out their cigarettes and their lighters and started smoking. Uh... Wow, man, that, that's and really the cool. press that he had invited to this photo op, took snap, out, totally, snap, snap,
2: totally
0: snap, snap, yeah, organic, totally real, totally exactly. natural. Yeah. It just happened. It's wow, look at this amazing picture.
1: Wow, <laughs> I, uh... and yeah, it was a yeah. launching off point for, for um advertising smoking to women i don't remember that but yeah i just that's, that's like the booth babes too
0: yeah oh it's all the same shit right and it's like it's fascinating yeah. to me like even back then with the original suffragette movement that they were already co-opting that they yeah, were right. already like adro- adept at being like oh this actual real like honest to god like grassroots movement that's happening to a certain extent, like it, it didn't just, it started as like a thing that people started doing and not like a PR stunt. Like how can we graft onto that? You know, like rather than try and make our own thing, which will always to some, to a certain extent, like they may catch on, but at first it'll have to, if you take an authentic thing that's already happening and you can, you can like get your claws in it. Like it's amazing that it really does go that far. Yeah. And it's just got like not even that much more sophisticated. It's just, they have new ways of doing it now.
2: Yeah, so as I like like said, like this is booth babes, and yeah. it kind of reminds me a bit about like Rosie the Riveter and like those other like World War II kind of like propaganda images and things like that. That
0: was how oh, it big feminism time. into the mainstream in the seventies. That was how it became like a common word. Was they had that smoking commercial that was like, "You got a long way, baby. You got your own cigarette now." And it was when they started actually introducing like diet say, or like the menthol cigarettes for women.
2: The menthol like,
1: like, coolers. Right. Slims. goes down smooth Smooth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway. another another example um, from more recently was um, a total totally staged thing uh, by the PR firm Helen Knowlton, who basically coached the daughter of the Kuwaiti monarchy at a press conference to give tearful testimony about Iraqi soldiers wow. throwing babies out of the incubator <laughs> and killing the babies yeah. on the ground or whatever, what, what, as okay. like the atrocities that the Iraqis were doing were were committing to the Kuwaitis. I
2: was going to say, was that was that a fake story? Or were those were those like actions actually being happening?
1: It, it was totally a fake story. Wow. She yeah. was a coached like member of the Kuwaiti monarchy yeah. who stood to benefit from the uh-huh. Americans. Smashing the Iraqis, basically.
2: Yeah, I do. I remember that. I think I remember learning about this story. But yeah, that's oof. you gotta have. Yeah, I mean, you gotta have like no scruples when you're training like a quite the little girl to. Uh, yeah, or you yeah.
0: Gotta yeah. want to believe it already. I think that's the main thing. If you're already ready to believe it, you can
2: it's not a lie it. if you believe it.
0: Yeah, or it's to a certain extent, right? Like maybe she doesn't. Maybe she didn't see it, but she heard about it, and they were like. She was like, "Oh well, yeah." The soldiers came in and they accidentally knocked over an incubator and they just left the baby. And even if that was That's real right. or fake, it's like, "Oh well, how can we make that worse?" You know. And then mm-hmm. like maybe that was the initial lie she told, and they pushed her to
2: say more. Right. And or maybe they acted it out so that she could say she actually saw it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they, I'm sure they had their base. Or maybe covered.
0: she just wanted to do that to uh, Kuwaiti baby, you know, or what? Maybe maybe she, maybe she <laughs> wanted to do that to Iraq babies, and that was just how she. was projecting fires
1: right maybe
0: (laughs) she was just a sick and twisted individual
1: well and part of what helps these like these zingers land is the concept of the big lie of that the confidence that people have in the the authorities when the voices of authority in their society the level of confidence is high enough that we all believe that it's outrageous and out of out of the question that that somebody would lie about something that's big or this important, right? That you would put somebody on TV and broadcast news to us about somebody saying something like this. Right. That wasn't completely made up. is like the last thing you'd be like, they can't do that. Are you kidding me? And that's part of what gives cover to some of these things is that until it's too late, some of these things are just so big. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, for sure it it's kind of it kind of seems crazy to question them right yeah
2: and i'd say like and the news still does have its hold on that whether or not it should people still watch the news whether it's fox news or cnn and they're like i saw it on the news it's it must
1: be fact oh exactly and so then the next example is um like a psychological operation or whatever that was also stated by op, a P- you might say yeah by yeah. Um, by a pr cool. firm Person, Marsteller who staged the toppling of the Saddam statue in, um, in Baghdad and had like a group of Iraqis around and had them like put an Iraqi flag over the like fallen head of the toppled statue or whatever as like this gesture that like the Americans had liberated them by taking Saddam out uh, when it was entirely fabricated, it was t- entirely made up. And they the people were paid to be there, or like brought there to do that. Yeah. And they had help taking the statue down for for the photo op, right? Uh, but guys... it helped uh, it helped to backstop the American public's f- uh, f- kind of favorability um, on whether or not they were actually participating in the war as a nation.
0: Were these the guys that eventually ended up working for what's his name? The like. Um... The guy that they, they that made up all the shit that they that they said that was like proof Saddam had WMDs. He was like an Iraqi exile, because there was like that whole PR crew that oh, ended up like.
1: That. No, I don't know. Or,
0: anyway, it doesn't matter. They were definitely
1: I was, yeah. I was gonna say um, uh, whatever his name is, Secretary of Defense, the guy that testified at the UN. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forget his name. Um, Big American Colin Powell. Colin Powell, yeah. thank you. Um, but no, I don't, I oh, don't know. yeah.
0: Uh, either way, they probably all worked together at some point.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was a big, big lie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they never so worked. Burson, Burson Marceller also got involved in the 70s with the Argentinian Junta, who was killing dissenters, uh, leftists and socialists, throwing them out of helicopters and fucking
0: Hey, that sounds familiar. <laughs>
1: Torching and assassinating yeah, like, them, this was, uh, oh, and they needed to re. Are you yeah. the same
0: thing just just somehow happened in another country? <laughs> but you there was <laughs> right. No coordinate Like there was this, all these Latin American countries just suddenly like the same murder and torture techniques were being used all over them. Sounds totally normal to me.
1: <laughs> There's no way a PR company. unless they're super effective, yeah, Joe. Well, Maybe they're true. super effective. Yeah. And so, journalists in that country and international journalists. Sorry, just,
0: just I just love the picture of like, of like, like a Pinochet used helicopter toss. Exactly. <laughs>
2: effective. I know, exactly like, where I was like, going. I'm like, 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 Fuck but...
0: these guys. I'm like, this is bullshit, but it's so funny, Jim. Hel-
2: helicopter rides are like Hyper Beam, they're all super effective.
0: <laughs> yeah, see, the West just needs to take back helicopter rides. That's all. It's true. We we just need to get on board and take and occupy the territory of of throwing people out of helicopters. Scare me straight. Sorry, Craig, continue.
1: (laughs) That's okay. Um, So it it was because uh, international and domestic journalists were reporting on what was going on. And the Argentinian government at the time was getting a super bad reputation. And other countries were starting to have trouble dealing with them because of the news that was coming out of all this horrible shit that was happening. So Burson and Marsteller stepped in as their PR uh, representatives and helped them to rehabilitate their image. Um, mm-hmm. And that allowed them probably, it got them on the road to being, as well as a lot of the economic um, measures that were taken, I'm sure helped them get on the road to their uh, economic insolvency that would follow <laughs> in decades subsequent. Um, yeah. Anyways, other other bangers from the PR and advertising world, um, nutritional information on labels with renamed versions of sugar. Uh, so at some point, um, sugar consumption was flagged as not mm. being the greatest thing to be like the first or second or even fourth ingredient in your product. And so an advertising idea was to rename sugar as other obscure scientific names that are still technically true. And then that way, when you split it into four different things, they're all a lot lower mm-hmm. than the first four ingredients, and it doesn't look yeah, like there's yeah, as much yeah. sugar in your product, even though there's the same amount of sugar, if not even more. <laughs> right. So now you've got uh, the carbohydrates and your polysaccharides and your... Exactly. And exactly. <laughs> also, also, generally the debate over whether or not sugar... Uh, consumption is a health threat to the extent there is one it has been prolonged by pr and um, and kind of misinformation along those lines as well much in the same vein as smoking and tobacco use uh which was still a, a quote-unquote debate in health it's, and oh, yeah. scientific fields for probably decades after it needed to be yeah um likewise climate change fossil fuel um fossil fuels impact on the planet yeah um, we're going to be dating debating that one for decades to come well, yeah, this, so. it, I mean, <laughs> big big oil and gas firms have known about it since the 70s um right and have like had internal reports and like science confirmed up to the highest levels yeah for longer than i've been alive well they and it's still something
0: they that, all had it like they, they knew cigarettes debated. were bad before before other people had that proof, like they knew all that shit, right? They just because they did all the research yeah, first, because they were trying to disprove like, it, and then when they found yeah. out it was true, they were like, "Fuck!" We got to
1: get ahead of this. <laughs> get some <Burson> mustard <laughs> on the phone.
0: <laughs> we
1: got to run some PR. Where's that Nazi yeah.
0: Ledbetter Lee? <laughs>
1: we need some tree top propaganda. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, a- and then a few more. Um, more benign examples that I thought were nice that I wanted to just throw in there um, out of whimsy uh, but a big PR stunt was Red Bull's uh, Skyfall as executed by Felix Baumgartner Whoa. in 2012 which you guys will remember yeah, this when he PR. jumped I do remember out that. of the sky yeah
2: it's like, uh, shit, he was falling for a long time that was in 2012 oh my god That's and interestingly
1: his record has since been Eaten by some like Monster Middle Energy's League. Jennifer <laughs> Tomasi. <laughs>
0: and now uh, anyway, and now someone... like White Claw is trying to break that record.
1: <laughs> <laughs> fall White um, Claw. SpaceX.
0: Claw the Tiger. I don't know.
1: Yeah. SpaceX launches Tesla's or Elon Musk's. Uh, spaceman car thing well, into space if in twenty eighteen that was a if huge the official star. line is
0: to believe it's a it's a fake spaceman but I know that it's actually one of Grimes's ex boyfriends. <laughs> I have it on good <laughs> authority.
1: Um another one was Prince's name name change in nineteen ninety three which you guys were barely born for. Oh but, oh, oh I was so I bored. wasn't even was born like, it was I
2: didn't
0: nine. that was 19 oh 1993 sorry I thought you said 1980 I wasn't
1: even born <laughs> um but yeah he, he changed his name from Prince to the artist formerly known as Prince and it was partially to get out of a contractual yeah, yeah that's that what had. I that's what I remember reading and then partially just because he knew that pe- half of the people would think it was great and half of the people would think it was dumb and it would get a huge buzz Yes, yeah. wonder if a, that's like, yeah I think that's
2: I think that's why Diddy did it so many times too. He's yes. just like, I need to generate some more buzz. I'm, I need to keep getting, I'm right. just,
0: I keep signing bad record deals. Now. I'm just so bad at, yeah. I'm just so bad at reading yeah. my contract.
2: I'm puffy now. I'm just puffy. <laughs> whatever. I'm puff Puffa Diddy. Whatever. It's like, I'm whatever. slowly, I'm
0: slowly shedding all these clauses that give Jay Z all my <laughs> money.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All that money that I based my, yeah, life I, that I got different.
0: sampling. <laughs>
1: Christopher Wallace. I was yeah, just trying up. to
0: get out of sampling agreements. <laughs> yeah,
1: Diddy's uh, doing fine. Oh yeah. Yes. Um, and then the last one I had on here was Pink Floyd, uh, "Pig Balloon," which oh, they had that. they had made specifically for the album Animals. Right. And they, so they brought it out into like the countryside, and inflated it. Uh, so this big floating pig balloon and they had the first day of shooting, they had a sniper um oh, wow. who was instructed to if the um if the restraints, if the cables broke or they let them go and the pig started flying away to shoot it so that it would come right. so that it would fall down eventually. Um, so the weather turned on that day and the and clouds rolled in. So it wasn't good light for the for the photo shoot. So they Came back the next day, but they forgot to tell the the um, marksman, the sniper, huh. the sniper person, whatever, to do again? to come back for the <laughs> second day. So they didn't have this person That's on right. set or whatever or on location, and yeah. the pig actually did go loose, and it flew into the uh, flight path for mm. Gatwick Airport. And hmm. disrupted like a few flights or whatever, <laughs> and then eventually landed on some farmer's field. Uh, but the <laughs> fact that it had disrupted the flight path and then was recovered after like entering airspace or whatever by this farmer actually did make the news. And as a result, Pink Floyd's album got a bunch of this free promotion from what wasn't actually intended to be a PR stunt, ended up being a PR stunt. Or was it? And they- <laughs> And they've, used sure. yeah.
0: um,
1: and they've used yeah. it, sure. Yeah, and they've used it ever since. I mean, through the rest of their careers or whatever, on tour and stuff. It's that's amazing. the
0: sniper, of course, that... went on to be Chris Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> not as not that's as happy an ending. No,
2: I feel that is a thing. Like the um, the the PR stunt that's made to seem like it was an accident to like cover the fact that it was a PR stunt. I think has happened multiple times. Oh, for sure, the, dude. the biggest example of this that I think was still a planned PR stunt, but lots of people will argue it, I think is the Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake oh, yeah. Super Bowl. That
0: was totally planned.
2: Was. Yeah. yeah. No I touch. tell that to people and they're like, what? No.
0: Especially <laughs> when you watch it, it's so obvious it's part of the routine, right? Like it's so yeah. obvious. Like I don't think they, I don't even know if they thought of that until people started freaking out you know like that's know. that's yeah. my opinion on that one
2: like but, so do you think they maybe backtracked and then was like oh this is actually this one this. Of the, well i
1: think they probably thought of it and they were like ah, yeah, and if people pick yeah. up too much of a fuss we'll just be like it was a wardrobe i I, I don't
0: think they expected and i was because i remember at the time being like what the fuck who fucking
2: happened? yeah what the fuck was that like, he literally like it, grabbed it, her shit and like pulled it down like it's
0: it's a titty like <laughs> it's just, i've seen it's a titty, titty before
2: whoa you have what's not that? Like? <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're beautiful Wes you'll you'll see them soon don't worry okay. um <laughs> Good. I, I hope so. the other one for me was like when I was of uh, like I had just sort of gotten over my like like oh I only listen to like alternative music blah 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 and it was sort of after that period and I was already looking for like reasons why it was like kind of bullshit but I remember hearing about how like all of the emo bands supposedly had these feuds with each other. Like panic at the disco had this big feud with fallout boy, but they're on the same label. And it's like totally, obviously like hmm. a PR stunt. Like, like, cause that's, that goes back to like the fifties, right. Of like Hollywood actors and actresses, like being in sham yeah. marriages Everybody loves the good and like spat. pretending to be couples. Some of them were gay. Some of them just were like, you know, like swinging on the orgy scene. As you do, do when you're dudes. a million guy, but yeah. they want it to get, it's like to get in the news, you like fake married someone or like, right. yeah, even little, like there were some things. Get a little career boost. Yeah. That's yeah. It's like
2: totally, even how
0: many stupid. actors have made a comeback now out of like fucking up, like, and not even like whatever people mm. fuck up and they just like Winona Ryder and Downey, Robert Downey Jr. weren't like awful people because they ones. did drugs and shoplifted, but like they used that as a springboard for their comeback in a lot of ways, like the PR yeah. that generated so, yeah.
1: Right. I think it's amazing yeah. that celebrities, high paid celebrities, when they're acting out, resort to shoplifting of I, all I, things. I, yeah. I, well, and writer, to me,
0: yeah. it's like when you're at that level, like you don't, you, you're, it's not about the thing, the thing, right? It's about the transgression. It's or about whatever. the flex. Yeah exactly.
1: yeah, exactly. Totally. Seems like, you know, the information gets kind of dominated by, pay-to-play access a little bit through these advertising and public relations conduits. Um, But there is another way that society feeds information to itself. And it has a much more honorable intent in its, like, basic conception. It has some sort of principle. It has some sort of function. There's some sort of codification in terms of its role in society. Unlike advertising, unlike um, public relations, um, it's edutainment. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> at least, at least in the formal, ethical, like sense. Not even formal. Just in the ethical sense. Even informal journalism right. can be amazing. Yeah. But yes. so, anyways, the fourth estate was conceived as an independent check on power, on behalf of the general public. As embodied by both professionally trained journalists as well as by citizen, uh, citizen journalists, documenting events and digging for answers to questions below the surface of these events. Um, the the big thing that kind of pokes out from me, uh, for me, from that sentence is the the fact that nothing happens in a vacuum. The fact that nothing has nothing actually has zero context. Um, the context gets removed. Sometimes when it's, you know, maybe when it's easier to explain things without context <laughs> or when it's more beneficial to certain interests to remove that context. But right. generally speaking, like nothing happens without context and there's very seldom any reason to present information in the form of journalism without Context without kind of the history of that thing or thing that things that might be connected. That for me is what makes a good journalist is somebody that kind of kicks the tires a little bit, um, pops the hood, takes a look at the different things that are kind of contributing to this event, this sudden event that came up and is being reported. But what is you know what is the background and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, So, innovations in freedom of of information blossomed from the invention of the printing press, uh, something that Joe mentioned earlier, uh, through the 16th and 17th centuries and into the modern age. Very gradually, the ability for people other than the necessarily powerful and well-resourced to own or have access to printing presses has obviously grown, Um, and then the latest iteration of this evolution is via social media and the internet where everybody has a printing press in their pocket yeah. effectively. But now um, we can retweet and it's also a a porno and machine. make it our own. It's also a <laughs> porno machine and a good way and an e-commerce machine. But other than those three things, it's three. I mean, it's those three things and that's, yeah. that's a lot.
0: Sometimes it's both. <laughs> Porn can be journalism, Craig.
1: Erotic. it's true i'm i'm a pioneer gone, in the field gonto. of
0: erotic journalism
1: <laughs> erotic gonzo journalism <laughs> by joke.
0: brings up <laughs> brings a whole new meaning to the jack-off instruction genre of porn videos
1: indeed it does <laughs> um so the modern professional or uh, the modern profession of journalism uh much like other vital social functions like medicine or education Uh, civil engineering. is developed with a clear but challenging raison d'etre. Reason for being? Yeah. You got it. Presumably, ethical journalism as a profession is a pillar of modern liberal democracy. And it's enshrined, for example, in the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms in Canada, or as the First Amendment in the U.S. Constitution and formally speaking should strive to uphold four pillars of the profession let's call them Uh, seek truth and report it basically striving for accuracy and fairness in the things that you report to minimize harm uh, to make sure that you're not interacting negatively with the subjects or with the audience um, and that all stakeholders in the journalism are human beings deserving of respect.
0: By far the most important acts- of the, of the four in today's culture.
1: <laughs> For sure. Um, to act independently, uh, the highest obligation is to the public, not necessarily to whoever is paying you or whoever might pay you in the future. Um, and uh, And, I mean, controversially, not necessarily to... Whoever is threatening you <laughs> to not say what you are going to say, um, which is probably a pretty tough decision to make.
2: Yeah. Like, ah, uh, my
1: life or my journalism. Right. <laughs> and then finally, to be accountable and transparent. And that's just basically responsibility to the reporting and to the outcomes that result from the reporting, which is also you know potentially a pretty heavy burden. Yeah. So already, you know, there are there's codification in, like, the founding of the states that we live in, and so they're important enough. People thought that they were important enough that they should exist and they should have legal protection in our society, um, in the same way as other things that are protected by law, are protected in our society. Like property, notwithstanding the fact that property is mm-hmm. is. Uh, has primacy in terms of its protection by the law, but and you know, in in a sense, journalism, healthy journalism, works to give us an understanding of things like the fact that law and order in a place like Canada was designed to serve property yeah. and property owners, um, which, is an which is an interesting, which is an interesting. Kind of duality given the fact that journalism is also codified into the law of the land quote unquote but as you'll see or as we do see um you don't need my (laughs) you don't need my description of it for you to understand it by any means but we don't value this um this institution at all despite it being written into the foundation of, of the country
0: all these kids today just not wanting to do journalism and just watch ladies tell them how to jack off on Pornhub.
1: It's, <laughs> not a, shame. It all it's right a shame.
2: Now.
0: The only way journalists can make money is by telling people how to jack off.
1: Joe's School of Gonzo Journalism.
0: <laughs> Look, people don't know Find how to jack URL off. Show notes. They want to know how. I'm just providing a service.
1: Okay? It's true. It's important. Teach us. Doing God's work. So, of course, these, um, the, these pillars, the ideals, um, are constantly strained in a competitive industry that's interwoven into capitalist economy, where there are incentives to publish first, there are incentives to omit reporting about potential or current patrons, and to bolster partisan or ideological positions where it is profitable or even just more profitable to do so. Uh, so the the profession of journalism is besieged by conflicts of interest, by um, by special interests, by kind of countervailing forces that skew it to their will. Um, and obviously, money having money, um, mm-hmm. and being able to offer employment in the field is a huge factor. Um, mm-hmm. and ownership of journalistic outlets weighs in really heavily, uh, concentration of media ownership weighs in really heavily. You find, you know, like we were talking about with broadcast, uh, headlines or, or broadcast news presentation where the same story would be broadcast on a couple of different networks, but the first paragraph of the story is basically the same, um, is more or less identical and the news reader or the presenter is just basically going off a script that they've obviously been handed, and all of these different news agencies, for some reason, have the same script, which seems weird, but it makes complete sense when you think about the uh, concentration of media. I mean, ownership. yeah,
0: great minds think alike, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> they all do. They really do. Um, so it's it's easy to see in this in this circumstance how. The, the profession of journalism would easily fall into ill repute, um, easily be slandered and bashed by people who have an interest in avoiding accountability by, by journalism or by journalists, um, or even just to muddy the waters and make it easier to confuse and uh, disorient people who are trying to make sense of things, what's real, what's not, what's true, what's not, what's good, what's bad, all that. Um, It's Back to the information analogy, it's just increasing the likelihood that the reality will be that the information is bad or that people will perceive that the information is bad. Um, And that's a problem, given the role that it plays as a discipline in our society. It's a toxic component, actually. It's corroding away at whatever we deem to be. You know um, our democratic norms. I mean, I, to the extent that they ever existed.
0: I mean, I do hate new information. It's like, oh, I got all this <laughs> old information in here, and I got to put new information in too. Like, fuck off! Stop giving me new mm-hmm. information. I'm good with the information I have. Thank you.
2: Yeah. Just, just well, at least make it, it compatible with my old information. Like
0: they just made uh, information <laughs> so obsolete so quickly now. <laughs>
1: Which is why you never need to worry about the new stuff. Yeah.
0: That's what I. That's what I do. Yeah,
1: I like to. I like to. I like the reruns of the news. That's, the new season sucks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like to play it back to my family and then be like, "Spoiler <laughs> alert!" and then tell them what's going to happen right yeah. before they say.
0: It. <laughs> oh, guys! I guys, guys, guys! I tape the nightly news. Oh, wait! Unless you hate spoilers. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So part of the uh, landscape that has gotten uh, gotten journalism as a profession into some hot water lately um, and not so lately um, have been things like the Church Committee, which was a mid-70s Senate investigation and hearings around involvement by CIA assets across news media. Internationally, oh. So basically the CIA starts radio stations, starts newspapers, has journalists at major newspapers and minor newspapers who they have basically as active assets to say mm. bad things about this country or say good things about that thing or whatever, do all sorts of CIA stuff. That is pretty shitty and completely undermines journalism. Guys, I'm starting to uh, think the, the
0: CIA I, sucks. <laughs> Every time they come uh, up on this podcast, they're doing bad stuff.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that was selling slang and crack yeah, or something.
0: Slanging the slang crack. They're just protecting slang and fake journalism. Capitalism. Yeah, they're just right. they're just busy protecting the highest form of capitalism, no less.
1: Yeah. So the Church Committee was an attempt to basically put an end to the practice of the CIA infiltrating the news media and basically carrying active assets on an ongoing basis. And it totally worked. What they want.
0: Everything's fine now.
1: Well, by the end of it, nobody in the CIA needed to really answer for anything. (laughs) And I think the innovation that came from it was that they just did it less explicitly. Yeah. they would have them, um, mm-hmm. their assets hired on as contractors instead of as full time payroll.
0: I still think, which yeah, like it's crazy. <clears throat> for me, the best example yeah. of like the CIA is like the guy in Arrival, who has like he's kind of like yeah. he's kind of like nevishy, and he has like this disgusting slicked back hair.
2: Is this the what's his name? The one of the main no people. it's well he's
0: kind of a side character not, but he's the one that oh, he's okay. like the designated like not hawkeye
2: what's his name jeremy not
0: jeremy Ray. not, J- not hawkeye is just in Arrival. <laughs> it's like we're tying it into the cinematic universe
2: no because he's just like
0: he's just like this fucking like like people like now especially people think cia and they think like fucking like jim from the office but ripped like and, and like, hero. they're just these fucking ass like i think like the two like it's for me it's like arrival and then like burn after reading are like the two like great cia depictions because they're just like like the the when when everything goes down in burn after reading it's jk simmons is like the division chief or whatever and he's like he's like they're like do you want us to deal with it? he's like no no just just fucking burn it all just just get rid of it <laughs>
1: Totally. I love that movie. Uh, so, th- to cut to the chase on the church committee, the CIA didn't burn it all; <laughs> oh. they kept it going, and it would be absolutely absurd to conclude that they don't do the exact same thing to this day. Um, and if not, fucking completely multiplied by, you know, um, mm. an order of magnitude, because technology and complexity, et cetera, have increased uh. since the seventies. I don't think that the CIA is not involved in fucking anything that they fucking want to be <laughs> um, just, across newsrooms. Honestly, it's media. just better
0: to assume they're involved in everything and then be proved wrong. Of course. It's just like, of course, I think the CIA is involved in the production of this homestyle ranch dip. <laughs> like, and then, and then it's like, no, they're not. That's ridiculous. It's like, okay. Yeah. But I, it's better that I assume it.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Don't have evidence for the other uh, for the other option
0: either. Yeah. Exactly.
1: So another um, another incident that came to light, or incident, another practice that came to light that brought journalism into uh, a bad light was Murdoch's News Corp wiretapping scandal um, in the UK in the late two thousands, I believe, or maybe the mid two thousands. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but basically, they were caught. One of the one of the newspapers um, was caught having wiretaps on subjects, so that they could record their shit and use that recording both for reporting, but also to blackmail <laughs> them to. Provide information on stories and basically be sources. So they would find high-profile individuals and and wiretap them and get just a, get leverage on just them. a little
0: trip mm-hmm. trick the Murdochs picked up from their buddy Jeffrey Epstein. Harmless,
1: <laughs> <It's laughs> no, no, harmless totally.
0: little yeah. little habit that uh, <laughs> that Jeffrey used to do all the time. We thought it was adorable, so we copied it.
1: <laughs> yeah, and so they were like hearings about that in the uk as well and it was a whole thing but obviously you know rupert murdoch probably didn't even
0: right sorry i guess i should have said like the five guys beneath rupert murdoch (laughs) because rupert rupert murdoch doesn't doesn't have he has like an in-house jeffrey epstein
1: like he has he has a jeffrey (laughs) epstein
0: on his staff on retainer or whatever
1: i think it was actually a woman that ended up taking the fall or at least one of the people who was one of his like main publishers and that is why
0: the corporate world needs feminism (laughs) (laughs) so so women who cover up the crimes of fox news don't have to pay the price
1: (laughs) (laughs) exactly um another example is tv generals in the lead-up to the second american invasion of iraq um basically a double conflict of interest in that they were barely retired um if retired but i mean most of them were actually retired but were still involved with the military as like alumna and were also on the board and invested financially in Uh, arms manufacturers and other military industrial
0: are you saying uh, that that, that the the military and the industrial have formed a complex is that what
1: you're saying (laughs) although it may sound complex that's exactly (laughs) what i'm saying are (laughs) you saying that that retired that
0: retired generals don't have patriotism at the forefront of their brain
1: (laughs) (laughs) the best interest of the country
0: Are you saying active generals might be angling for positions on weapons company boards when they're done being generals? There's no way that happens.
1: Absolutely. And they would follow in the well-tread path that the generals before them uh, put down.
0: My daddy was a general and then he sold bombs for GE and I'm going to be a general and I'm going to sell bombs for GE. That is what the Patterson family does. (laughs) or what is it what what's the now whatever pattison's fine
1: (laughs) we can keep it yeah (laughs) that's great i like that reference um but yeah basically going on as experts as military experts onto broadcast news and testifying or quote-unquote testifying or giving um giving like first-person accounts of their expertise on the fact that this war should be happening and that it's a great thing and winning over the public as a part of the co-optation of every single broadcast outlet during the lead up and on the ongoing Iraq war, uh, second Iraq war. I just love how like all of... Which is wild. The amount of of coordination. Yeah. Like it's a a total program. It's like food stamps, but for fucking generals on TV.
0: And it's, it's, it's wild. Like it's, this is like the third time the Iraq war has come up now. It's wild how this is just like a greatest hits collection of every shitty thing to happen in like the 20th and 21st century. It's like, no, we didn't. We like, (laughs) okay. We briefly talked about the labor (laughs) movement from the perspective of one of the worst massacres in it. Like we, we breezed over the new deal we breezed over like like the 60s and we just went to like literally like world war 1 nazism like the the petrochemical complex like you know the destruction of the destruction of unions in the seventies. Like we just hit the Iraq War. Just every shitty possible like thing that's ever happened is connected to like PR and like mainstream yeah, journalism.
1: Yes, you're right. Well, it's a it's a major um, reflection of mine from from looking into this is that we're basically basing our information on the worst possible source. We're it's like it's like we've outsourced our emotional reaction to the stimulus yeah. that the planet gives us that our like our human society on the planet gives ourselves we're we're letting this bought and paid for like apparatus mediate that information feed it back to us in a way that's mm-hmm. going to convince us to make the absolute worst fucking decisions mm-hmm. by like yeah. tweaking the, the
0: lizard's brain Very by much. literally like grabbing yeah. the base of your brain and shaking it right
1: exactly yeah and if it's the and if it's the pr um function which like represents the interests of people who think that unions that workers having collective representation is the worst idea possible that people en masse having control over their destinies is the worst idea possible. But it's fine if people get blown
0: up as long as they're in other countries.
1: Exactly. That people with different ideas are worthy of our disdain and like, and, you know, being alienated from our society, that the only way that we can run an economy is the way that we run economies now. Like all of these ideas are supported for a reason by people who mediate our information yeah. to us from us mm-hmm. why why are we letting this in the way why are we letting this help us help quote unquote us make these decisions it's like the worst i don't know it's like fucking doing a crazy amount of drugs and wandering around in the fucking middle of the street <laughs> It's not a good idea. Why are we doing? Except
0: it? the drugs are are injected into you by a random person, and they shove you into yeah, traffic. Yeah, and you're just like just, and then you're like sure. you're like I'm really high. Can I get out of the traffic? And they're like, Yeah, yeah, come <laughs> this way. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I think I think you'll find that the traffic is fine for you. I think you're yeah. overreacting. Like, chill yeah, out. The traffic will yeah. take you where you yeah. want to go. <laughs>
1: Uh, anyways, that was a great aside because that was definitely at the foundation of this. It, the honestly, like the what we've set up for ourselves to try and protect us from all of this is being bastardized and corrupted, as as we're describing well, in the section about journalism. And what we have in what we have actually in the absence of of a legitimate journalistic profession, what we've entrusted all this information to is completely bought and owned and not ours it's someone else's is looking out for someone and else and
0: then even even the the things that that to a certain extent are important like or sort of are touted are sort of like um it, it's a the conception of them is so limited that it it's 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 a it's sort of like the conception of what freedom or like the freedom of information is or like objectivity is 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 so like or like even like sort of like objectivity is one way of putting it but like what's the other word i'm thinking of i don't know i'm just gonna sound like an idiot here but subject subjectivity that's not it (laughs) but no but like the idea some of the ideals are just like under this system are like what do they really mean you know like what is it like
1: well they're framed a certain way and you can't really think of them in a different way see
0: there craig said it in a smart way like that's
1: and it's 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 agenda setting (laughs) yeah yeah your your paradigms are like, set. Or well, whatever.
0: like we're or trying to like, be yeah. objective when we report the news, and it's like, well, we know you're not objective. Like ultimately, you're deciding what story there is. We just want to know, like, like it becomes like this thing of like, of like, well, we're being objective. It's like, no, you're not. You're just saying like, well, this guy says that uh, the the climate is warming and we're all going to die in yeah, twenty years, and he's change. a scientist, and this guy who has been paid by oil companies his entire life says like, no, the oil is actually good for the dolphins and they're getting superpowers. Like we don't know which side <laughs> to believe right. you'll be the judge. Like that's, that's not helpful either because right. it's because they're already coming to the debate with like, well, these are the two sides instead of the real two sides are like, we need to behead oil executives to make them listen or well, actually, we need to get government on our side. Like those are the two real sides of the debate, right? But it's like they don't want to have that debate. They want to have the bullshit debate because then they can keep making it's money, harmless. and it's harmless.
2: Exactly. And it exactly. and it's, it's and it's, it's
0: it's like part of it is like look at this fucking crazy person, right? Like this insane person doesn't want to wear a mask when there's a pandemic on, and then but then there are people who are saying like, well, like. I'm wearing my mask as I am, but like, why are you expecting us to do all the work? But that side of the debate isn't important. It's like masks are the government trying to control my body. Like that's the debate they want to have because that debate is like so surface that people can just feel good about it.
1: So, Right. Absolutely. Completely distracting from the actual substance of whatever the issue mm-hmm. is and the mm-hmm. actual debate that should be taking place. If, if any, right. um, And instead injecting, and you know, um, elections are a fucking amazing example, or like, culture wars are an amazing example. Like, really, I don't know, obviously, the percentages are different now, but there isn't actually all that much support for certain positions. Yeah. But the combination of leveraging that into people's political views and then PR and fucking think tanks and think pieces and thought leaders who put forward these these particular framings of issues and set the parameters and set the Overton window or whatever. And then people take their sides, but you can't take a side too far out of the, yeah. the parameters or else you're a radical and then you don't even get a, a seat at the table. And said, like, oh, "Okay, well, we better talk about what people do behind closed doors. We better talk about who's married to who. We better talk about what gender everyone is, or whatever, and whether that's legal or whether that's this or whether that's that. And it's all completely a distraction well, like, from what actually matters. And it
0: becomes this thing of like, well, this is what these people think of this. It's like actually these people didn't really have an opinion on this. Like they're just learning about it, and they'd be a lot more open mind. Like especially like I think of like the the gender and transgender issue is like." That, that shit has been around forever. It's not really new. It's just now that gay marriage is legal, it's like, well, we need a wedge issue. So we're going to just assume that like steel workers don't want to have to learn pronouns because they're the real workers of America. And like, they don't have time for this. And it's actually like, if you just went to the steel workers and were like, hey, this person wants to be referred to as, as she, her, even though we used to refer to them as he, him. Like, if you just went and said that to them, steel workers would be like, okay. I got to weld this pipe. You want to weld this pipe for me? And like, and then, and then it's fine. But because there's like this ecosystem that tells them like serious persons are having this debate and And all of a sudden a a steel worker is like, well, I don't want to be told what to do at work, but it's like, no, this person is requesting this. And like, all of a sudden it's like, it's, it's turned into an issue when, really like for most people it was that it was a non issue and it might have been new information that they had to assimilate but like people are remarkably good at just being like okay <laughs> you know and like oh totally
1: especially when it's just a matter of courtesy it's like yeah don't call your grandma a bitch. Don't call people's grandma (laughs) a bitch. Unless
0: they are bitches. but No, No, but yeah, it's exactly that. It's like, it's like essentially the argument. And that's the thing is like, you'd be surprised at how quickly that, that argument outside of media circles gets diffused by like, yeah, we'll call me old fashioned, but I just call people what they want to be called. And then all of a sudden it's, it's not this debate of like, Oh, the, 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 the liberals are like censoring our right to like tell people what they really think. It's like, You made this an issue when
1: it was Uh, Joe Libtards. It's I think it's pronounced actually.
0: That's correct. You're right. I'm sorry. I apologize for using the wrong nomenclature. No, but it's yeah. It's and and not that there aren't like there is isn't homophobia and transphobia subtly, but like the then that becomes the attachment or whatever that uh, that the the actual ideologues who are smaller in number channel and turn into like whatever bullshit of like, Oh, there's too many children getting hormones or gender reassignment when they don't need it. And it's like, well, who fucking cares? Like, eh, (laughs) like, I mean, not. And like, and then all of a sudden, because there is this, this debate, like then you have to take a side because there are only two sides and 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 there is and it, when you reduce it to two sides there is a right side it's the side that says yes transgender people are valid and they deserve to be recognized for who they are but that wasn't that was only a problem because now you can't problematize gay marriage for a lot of people or whatever right
1: right so, yeah exactly it's absurd yeah. um so a final example from closer to home of bringing journalism as an institution into ill repute is uh, friend of the pod, Peter Mansbridge.
0: Oh, Peter! Hi. How's it going?
1: Uh, what? <laughs> Except, uh, I think this was in the what early two thousand tens. Was accepting money from oil sands producers for keynote addresses. What? Are you breaking the was... story right now? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> while he was anchoring <laughs> the <laughs> the cur- or the current whatever the CBC like main t- national CBC broadcast was. Uh, and the news was frequently about energy, oil and gas, and climate, and all of these like very he's, topical subjects. Peter Mansbridge is Boys like the Canada. only guy
0: in the only like figure in media that has interest in oil, right? Like he's like one of the rare it's ones. Though.
1: Must yeah. be the only one. I Peter Mansbridge, no. But it's kind of no wonder with examples like these with the cia with wiretapping tv generals full court media press for yeah. like pro, could, pro-war yeah. propaganda yeah. why someone that's like yeah not that good looking yeah, it's to like, a lot of people
0: there's like this effect of like it's even with the election it's a, all this thing of like well you know people are just saying like well listen like it's been it's been hard to believe any of this because there's just been so much like Again, like there's this shock that that people are either like, even like there's record turnout, but it's still low. It's still only like sixty, seventy percent of the population, as opposed to like fifty. And like yeah. it's like, why? What do you think? Like you like it's great to say like, oh well, this guy is doing like Trump or like Breitbart or like openly anti-Semitic. Have you seen that guy? But like, okay, but we don't trust you guys either. Like we don't trust anybody so like wh- why yeah. should we show up for you like and th- and it's not to turn this into like whatever but you know an election podcast cuz it's going to come out months after uh but like it it's just it, it it becomes it comes to this point where it's like well you don't trust those guys do you it's like okay well i don't trust you either but you're turning it into i have to trust them or you
1: and you're trying mm-hmm. to yeah like polish up your image relative to this like turd that i don't yeah I, I don't want either. Well, and it's like
0: yeah like that's why it's like okay well we're not as bad as like fox news or oan or whatever it's like okay that's not a fucking good like that's a low standard like if i look at like a guy who's beating his wife and like my wife is like you you don't like you don't listen to my ideas or whatever like you dismiss some of my ideas out of hand I'm like, well, at least I'm not beating you like that guy. Like, that's not a fucking comparison. Like, that's a shit no, garbage yeah. comparison, and I should be that's shot out of a the cannon. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. I didn't have you stoned. <laughs> <Yeah>. Come on. <laughs> so a healthy democracy, we are told, depends upon a healthy journalism profession. Um, but amongst other complications with reputation That journalism has with the public with all the conflicts and conflicting um draws for journalists and for the profession just to be able to make a living um amongst all these other complications it's pretty tough uh to begin with even just to make a decent living as a journalist Mm -hmm. without compromising yourself and the journalistic principles that we uh that we discussed earlier and also just to make money yeah exactly i mean you have to ultimately do something that's marketable so you know like so you find <laughs> you know, truth and you present is it is a but...
0: single billionaire who will fund you in order to say racist things
1: <laughs> right mm-hmm. exactly like there's all sorts mm-hmm. of unsavory configurations yeah. i can imagine from that dynamic right and then when you do establish a career compared to a career in advertising or in public relations your mm-hmm. overall prospects are generally going to be more limited unless you're willing to operate in kind of the murky gray areas or, or, or you happen to be an exceptional journalist. Yeah. You happen to be really good and probably have, you know, have been given a shot at some stage, but whatever, you know, kind of has to go into that as well. It's not, it's not the story that every journalist tells yeah, and right, even um, about themselves.
0: And even being an exceptional journalist, like, that attracts a certain audience but it can also be um you can be an exceptional journalist and cover like what holograms the kardashians bought this week you know
1: (laughs) i mean you gotta go where the money is i mean i think like a real like there's sort of this
0: thing on the left of like well aaron sorkin is a terrible writer blah 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 it's like he's actually a good writer he's a very good writer he just he writes neoliberal propaganda and like if you can't recognize that, like, that's part of the problem, too, is, like, we have to recognize that, like, this is a very good system. And it's 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 good in the sense of, like, yeah, it sucks ass and it fucks us all over. But, like, these people are the masters of what they do.
1: Oh, for sure. And it's, it's working very well towards its objectives. And we need to
0: recognize sure. when someone is good at it and is is making is convincing people and figure out how to be either good at it or or good enough good at it in a different way or whatever to like sort of counter that
1: so yeah for sure and speaking of good at it um not writing per se well i mean yes writing absolutely but not writing for for tv and feature films but um journalism yeah um i had a few examples of uh recent examples of journalists who ruffled the wrong feathers or who just pushed themselves too far, I guess, um, or or were conversely pushed out of their careers, denied opportunities and even harassed or pushed to suicide, um, if not outright assassinated, allegedly, of course. Um, but the examples that I have- That car
0: are, bomb planted itself.
1: <laughs> um, the first one is Iris Chang, who, wrote extensively uh, wrote a number a number of books but wrote about the rape of nanking uh, which came out in the early 90s and basically it was an exposé on like a lesser known um what would be what has been described as holocaust that happened prior to world war II with japanese soldiers in china in in nanking now called nanjing and she wrote this book and completely blew the top off of all this, like three hundred thousand people massacred. Um, hmm. Not like it was it was during, I guess, a conflict, but the people that were killed were not combatants. And she outed um, basically the Japanese establishment for not kind of owning up to that and and reconciling with it. Um, but rather suppressing it and denying it, which um, many conservative uh, Japanese um, figures continue to deny to this day. And she was eventually pushed for a number of different reasons into a situation where she ended up committing suicide, um, which was terrible. Uh, She was an amazing writer. But again, her journalism, her research was not appealing to the wrong people. Um, and it ended up costing her her life by whatever it means. Um, another example is Gary Webb, who you might be familiar with. There was a film with Jeremy Renner. Oh, Hawkeye. Shoot the messenger.
0: Oh, I haven't seen it. I'll have to watch.
1: it. Uh, Gary, it. yeah, it's it's pretty good actually. A, and so he
0: second bananas bonus content where we watch it
1: for sure. Uh, he reported on uh, what was called the Unholy Alliance um, about the CIA using drug trafficking in American cities, um, specifically into, into poor neighborhoods, uh, and using the profits from that to fund their covert operations in different countries, in, um, in Guatemala or in uh, Nicaragua different countries that they were doing counter-revolutionary or counter-insurgency operations. Um, But basically, like, injected crack cocaine into these neighborhoods um, in the 70s and the 80s. And that was the impetus for what was dubbed the, the War on Drugs. But in reality, it was a homemade, like, inside job by the CIA again. So anyways, he wrote a series of articles about that, uh, which were then put into a book. He basically got shunned by the rest of his profession. He had editors and other journalists of high profile from other um, publications write about his journalism and and discredit it, even though, you know, you can guess who some of those individuals may have been and whose interests they might've been representing given what we discussed previously in this episode, but in any case, uh, he ended up also, um, also committing suicide, and mm. was similar to Iris Chang. Reported, or there were reports that there was an increase in paranoia, an increase in depression. Yeah, they were increasingly disconnected from their family, and they had turned a corner at some stage after their big, uh, their big uh, stories came out. And kind of downward spiraled from there. So it's a little bit of a disturbing trend. And I'm
0: sure that um, everybody, after that happened, they were like, this is terrible. We need to do something about mental health.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Maybe right. these
0: people's paranoia yeah. and frustration with the world was based on something real. And maybe the fact yeah. that nobody was listening to them or the people that were listening That's, to them couldn't do anything about it. And they were powerless to watch and, their own careers. Go down the toilet for doing the right thing.
2: (laughs) Right. I think that's definitely got a big thing to do with it because here they are risking their lives to get, you know, blow the whistle on these things. Their news story maybe gets like blown out of the water because like Trump tweeted something someday or something like that. And it's just like, how do you not feel like committing suicide after something like that?
1: Oh, absolutely crazy. Well, your whole conception of how the world works just like crumbles right yeah when people that when people that you admire or like yeah just like talk shit about you when you know that they don't have any reason but whatever reason they have but they don't it's not based on what you understand to be the truth um and it's kind of scary like i know that i was reading about iris chang and she received she would receive like envelopes with bullets in in them and stuff like that. And just like these people are getting harassed by people who disagree with them and don't want them to tell their story.
0: Like they literally, it came out that like Harvey Weinstein who went down for like being a perv, which wasn't that big, uh, that wasn't a deal breaker to most institutions until suddenly it made them. It was, suddenly it was, he was hiring like, Ex Massad people to like stalk women that accused him. Like, imagine, like, and that's like a guy who's like, I don't want people to find out I'm a rapist. Like, imagine someone who's like literally responsible for like paying the guy who murdered a million people.
2: Oh, yeah. Imagine, yeah. And imagine then, people like, covering up more like crimes, Harvey, what they'll go through. If
0: yeah. Harvey Weinstein is willing to send ex Massad agents to like harass. Rose McGowan or Asia Argento imagine what those people are willing to do to keep like a nobody reporter who doesn't have the fame that Rose or not even a nobody sorry that was like a a reporter who does not have half the fame that like like Rose McGowan does like imagine what they're willing to do you know like like, didn't even get reported like those people didn't report because they were afraid it would make them look crazy because there was a like a deliberate attempt to make them as like miserable as possible
2: right or like the like most salient example is like Jamal Khashoggi is just like we're yeah we're just going to straight up kill you, Cop and, you. Yeah, yeah great even example though the whole, even, the whole even though the whole the world, world knows God. about it like, like we're still going to try and get away and with that's, it that's and pretend we like it know was us.
0: like that right yeah, right exactly. like like think about like wartime reporters like there's no way you'll ever know
2: like, oh right yeah they're or, just like another statistic fun. that you have no I idea like, what happened to. i mean sure
0: yeah. to a certain extent but like it's just like yeah
1: and sometimes when it's a high profile or a higher profile reporter or individual then it's even more valuable yeah exactly. to like to cap them in like dramatic fashion because right. then it sends kind of a chill yeah. across yeah. the profession people are yeah. like whoa maybe i'm gonna sit on that bold, crazy though. story i just right right yeah so and and this is a kind of breaking into I guess conspiracy territory a little bit, but the last one, um, is Michael Hastings who reported extensively, actually like embedded with troops, um, American troops in Afghanistan, with um General McChrystal, um and ended up doing um a. A story, an extensive story on him and on the the troops, and basically the, all all the disdain that they had for the the d- democratically elected government in America, in the White House, in Washington, um, and just generally how the war was um, was was being fought, the operations on the ground, yeah. um, and it was a pretty big expose, and it ended up resulting in General McChrystal being called back to America from Afghanistan by Obama and being stripped of his title. And then in within a couple of years, um, Michael Hastings died in a car accident, um, but it was heavily rumored or speculated that his vehicle uh, was taken control of of remotely and like crashed intentionally because he was supposedly working on some other right. big thing or whatever and it was a big thing at the time but whether or not that's the case um it was actually reported um and verified that he was increasingly again increasingly paranoid suffering from depression without a history of any of that um prior to the story coming out and was kind of increasingly um resigned to uh, remove himself from his family and friends right. so there's like a trend across all of these individuals um i don't know if there's anything like that with Khashoggi, but well, um at least for these it seems like you know there is a, a strong signal being sent
0: yeah I mean, I mean
2: like,
1: they know they're being targeted like,
0: if yeah. you are already like prone to depression or whatever which like I do think like, like a lot of people in these professions are, because it's one of the professions where you can have like periods of no functionality and then high functionality. So like to a certain extent, it attracts those kinds of people. Like, I'm not saying like everyone is depressed in journalism because their brain is chemistry different, but like, it's just like, then like, if you like these CIA, like all these people, like, who, like, they, they know they, they don't even need to like blow somebody up half the time. Like if they're like, oh, you know, this guy tried to kill himself five years ago. Well, why did he kill himself? Why did he try to kill himself? Oh, okay. Let's put that pressure on them. Like that's what they did with Martin Luther King too. They, tried, they, they literally yeah. sent him letters telling him to kill himself.
1: Yeah, oh or like they found right. out about
0: his affairs and were like, we're going we're gonna to report your affairs. So like it's not even necessarily that they, don't, they need to like kill somebody deliberately like they can just do shit that will put pressure on them that will yeah. make
2: suicide an easy way to keep your hands yeah, or
0: even like just push them into more more like unsettled territory and then yeah sometimes their own paranoia does kill them or does hurt them seriously but it's not that they were wrong
1: Yeah for sure No it's scary I mean whether or not it's actually done by an individual's hand whether or not you know the vehicle is actually taken over remote remotely and crashed these people were <clears throat> were confirmed as having been like harassed and received threats and were you know their their conception of their world was called into question was was made more uncertain, more precarious for like for what they did and that has to call into question like so what are you going to do now? Yeah. Are you going to keep on reporting on this stuff? What's your next step after you come up against something like that? And so all of it really patches together to paint a pretty shitty picture of like prospects for journalism to be able to do what it needs to do effectively. And a very rosy picture for the success and like um, absolute you know prolific presence of uh public relations and advertising which completely dominates our and i mean even going into like content and entertainment how often the military or government or whatever are on set or are called in to consult on different super high profile productions and, and stuff like that like it's really definitely the water that we're that we're drinking swimming drink drinking it yeah we're drink breathing yeah (laughs) but there's no way for us as like humans to be able to grapple with a such a serious and and massive challenge as as like a a climate crisis or um you know um social issues like income inequality or economic inequality in general, um, poverty, any of these issues, um, never mind the politics around doing one thing or doing the other, there's no way that we're going to be able to arrive at having a rational conversation about these things through the existing platforms that we've allowed ourselves to communicate yeah, exactly. these these issues through. And that was really the crux of what I was getting at with um, with bringing up these to facets of media as um as you know kind of the head the top banana and the second banana journalism that doesn't quite get a chance to get out of the shadows and i think it's going to be something i think it's i think it's actually the instructive dynamic of our time yeah. uh, like when we're old and gray we'll look back right. and i'm i'm sure maybe you know more savvy Grandparents of ours would be saying the same thing um, right now, or or before or before they passed. But it's it seems like we don't we're not even giving ourselves the right tools. Yeah. To to get our ourselves out of these problems. No. Yeah.
0: That's why I'm starting my own <laughs> jack-off instruction journalism channel on Pornhub.
2: <laughs> Give those
0: people everything. what they really need to emancipate themselves. <laughs> I love emancipating myself (laughs) while someone tells me how to do it.
2: Yeah, it's important. Uh, It is.
0: It is. Love yourself.
2: Yeah. Well, Uh, damn, Craig, damn. Like dark,
0: dark, uh, dark. (laughs) But but you know,
2: but it's like a good perspective to know. Like yeah, it's just like how how do we know we're getting the right information? how do we know like the people that have our best interest in mind
0: and the hardest thing is we
2: can't trust anyone to have our best interest in mind, but yeah. How do we know that they're even trying to get us the right information that we think is valuable or will help us make proper decisions. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. and like
0: we, on one hand, it's like you want to know all this stuff and understand it, but it also sucks knowing it. It sucks ass because then you're like, oh, man, I got to make all my own choices and, like, filter information, and like, I have yeah. to do that while it's I'm, bit... like, working 40 hours a week and trying to have a social yeah. life, like,
2: it is. it's yeah. meant so
0: to it's make like... you not want to do that, like, the whole system is aligned to be like, totally just repeat the talking points, go yeah. to work, and it's, come home, uh, buy a smoothie, it's fine.
2: Totally. It's that whole, it's it's the whole, like, matrix analogy, it's like, do you want to be, you know, want to be like awake to like the shit the like travesties that are happening around you or do you want to just like take the blue pill and you know go about your life as like a sheep and be docile and you know happy but yeah uh, yeah yeah just be oblivious and it's like I sometimes yeah you know you maybe you do just want to be a sheep at this point but
1: but, no it's it a is. completely it's a completely valid option <laughs> if you consider often. the alternatives yeah. right yeah if you consider the alternatives that are presented it it is it seems kind of rational to yeah. just like back away from it and be like well i'm just gonna do my shit and it really feeds into right. what we're what we're conditioned to do as like individuals yeah. or whatever so, anyways right but then it's like that is that's exactly what you know the people in power want they
2: Oh, absolutely! So we, they want the sheep that are easy. And to now control. we're
0: shifting to the the outrage model, like you said. Like it's it's about like who are we mad at this week? Who's the main character on Twitter? And it responds to that need to be like, no, I don't want to just hear that everything's good. I don't want to hear the the PR shit. So all of a sudden, there's PR telling you who to be pissed off at. And like, not that right. there aren't people who we should be pissed off at. There's tons of people who we should be angry and fucking like. Mad at, but like they're the people that are paying us to be mad at each other, each other, and people who put who who are like pronouns in bio or stupid are stupid, or people who are like, Yeah, I uh, I don't know, whatever, it's pointless getting into it because, because there are like, yeah, like uh, there are people to be mad at, there are a lot of people to be mad at at, de- at varying degrees of being mad at them, and and it's like. And it also flattens that to like, Oh, you're, you're mad. You should be mad at this person in the same way. You're mad at like, you should be mad at like a person who accidentally said like a dumb thing once at, or, or several dumb things and then doubled down at the person who's like, who's the one that pays them big money to say those things repeatedly in order to get you to talk Mm -hmm. about them and increase to cloud everything
1: up. Mm -hmm. So I think it, It could be instructive to seek out local independent journalistic outlets and support them. Um, You know, use your senses, look into things, check if something passes the smell test, Um, you know, maybe follow something for a little while before you start supporting it, but don't hold back if you are, if you think it's worth supporting. And like, support independent journalism it's super important and it's not something that gets any attention um our government in canada supports like big legacy media yeah. um over like and as well as maybe like a short list of quote-unquote new media but it's not it's not sufficient and it's not coherent
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> um <clears throat> Oh, and and yeah, you don't, good, good journalism needs financial support to be able to
0: yeah work. and contrary to what the prevailing message is like you don't need to be an expert who does twitter threads on everything you know that's just me being terminally online poison but like you can just not talk about things and like listen and like like think about things and reflect for a long time and you don't have to say anything at all there's like a lot of pressure out there now for everyone to have an opinion on everything. And like, God knows I have an opinion on everything, even stuff I shouldn't. But like, I, there are things where I'm just like, there's no point in me waiting into this. I'm listening to it and I'm, I'm hearing it and I'm like digesting information, but like, I'm not going to opine on this because there's no, my voice doesn't add anything, you know? And like, and, and there are voices that add to things and there are places where I can add my voice and it can matter um but it takes time
1: but it doesn't need to be everywhere yeah Yeah. and i
0: don't and i don't just go like i mean it's i think it's there's a certain ease to like repeating whatever's said by just one thing and whether or not that's good or not like every even good independent journalism can be wrong sometimes so if you're just like repeating what they say instead of you know like like actually thinking about it and like yeah like there's there's a time there's there's time to like reflect and figure stuff out. And, and as much as like we are in a climate catastrophe, like you're not going to do any good by overreacting in the next five seconds. We need action and we need it now, but that doesn't mean you can't like think for a day or two before you start acting or even a week or two. Right. Like, cause yeah, like reaction is like, j- sorry, reaction, like, like just overreacting and like t- trying to do something just based on what a, a news report tells you or a PR segment tells you isn't helpful either. And sure, I say that yeah, as a person and, who probably has done that, you know?
1: And thinking that policing your feed yeah. uh, for different t- like tones or different transgressions is, is praxis towards resolving any sort of climate crisis or otherwise is a little bit silly too.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: I mean it's important to let people know things i guess but yeah i mean i feel like it's just a big distraction a big circle a big instructive video from joe's gonzo jack
0: off instruction journalism
1: (laughs) yes it's happening
0: uh Hmm. all right well uh, craig thank you for a wonderful episode i think like we are we have we have talked about doing more of these um sort of more episodes about like a concept or a structure or like whatever, rather than a person. And I think this was a really good example of that.
1: Definitely. Yeah. I'm glad. I hope it works out. Um, I yeah. enjoyed preparing for yes. it and yeah, it's a little bit of a bummer, but important stuff to no, no for sure. Yeah. I think it's so, and it's so relevant to, uh,
2: you know what's going on in the world today. Yeah, man. So, any, anything that can help people be aware to the fact that, you know, they might be under the influence of higher powers, I think is is good to call attention to.
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Stay woke, sheeple.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, and
0: time. I will also <laughs> want to say uh, thank you, Wes, for being a part of this. And... Wait, that, oh my God, that sounded super personalizing. I was was going to be like, thank you, Wes, and thank you, me, and then thank you, (laughs) audience, and I was like,
2: this sounds so bad. (laughs) We'll get our special thanks. Uh, uh, No, this
0: was a great episode, guys. I always enjoy talking to you. Um, But I do want to say thank you to the audience for listening. Um,
1: Yeah, thanks for coming out. uh, This has been Second Bananas, um, and I'm Craig. As always, unfindable on social yeah. media. Joe, where can we find you? Uh, I'm
0: at Stop Joe now on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, post completely differently on both of them, so don't follow me expecting the same things.
1: And Wes?
2: Uh, yeah, you can find me. Uh, I'm on Twitter at W2dubs and on Instagram at Wes Walcott.
0: And I should just say, uh, if you did listen to this whole episode, you clearly like what we're doing. So I would say... It would be great if you could mosey over to iTunes and give us a five-star re- rating and a review because that will help tell other people who are looking at the iTunes store about the podcast. Uh, alternately, if you just want to give us some money every month, our uh, our podcast network, Cave Goblins, actually has a Patreon that you can join. And for as low as $1 a month, you will get bonus exclusive content coming out every week which may include content from some people in this room uh ooh, what so you uh, tell me
2: about such I content <laughs>
0: you've been in some of my content <laughs> so oh, no yeah, but you're, yeah um we're, you're me in so uh check out patreon.com slash cave uh if you want to support us um yeah
2: please
0: and do. we will see you in a few weeks we're not sure if this is going to be a two-parter or not. But uh, next episode, we will be discussing Sarah Michelle Geller. Yeah.
1: So watch. Can't wait. So
0: long, fans of bana- second bananas.
1: <laughs> Talk to yeah. you later. Thank you. Take care.